11. It's 50 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. I'm Val Porter. The suspect in yesterday's Waffle House shooting in Tennessee is now on the state's top 10 most wanted list. Police say Travis Ranking fatally shot four people and injured several others at a Nashville area Waffle House. Ranking fled the scene and Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is offering a $2,500 reward for his capture. A customer was able to wrestle away that gun, which is described as an AR-15 style assault rifle. So many strange aspects to this story. Apparently, he had no pants on during the attack. He had previously been taken into custody last year for breaching the perimeter at the White House, saying that he wanted to meet with President Trump. And according to MSN.com, documents obtained say police were aware of his delusions and his pattern of behavior with guns. A pregnant woman is in critical condition. Another woman injured after a double shooting in Homewood yesterday. Investigators say the two women arrived at a hospital after the shooting that may have occurred on the 6900 block of Kelly Street. Shell casings were found at the scene. There's no word on a suspect or motive. Have you heard of eco-anxiety? Apparently 72% of millennials suffer from it. Eco-anxiety is apparently the stress and uneasiness felt when watching, hearing, or reading negative news stories about the environment. According to a recent study, eco-anxiety can cause such stress-related conditions as insomnia and racing thoughts. But the news isn't all bad. Seems that eco-anxiety is causing young adults to convert that anxiety into action in their day-to-day lives to help to protect the environment. Yeah, eco-anxiety. I've, I've tried to be good at recycling, and that's about as much as I can contribute uh, on a daily basis. But I've, I've, I used to blindly throw things in the <laughs> recycling bin like, it's glass, it'll get recycled. Mm-hmm. You know, like a jelly jar or something. You're like, oh, well, that jelly jar is going to get recycled. I've done my work here. But you have to, like, wash that stuff out. Yeah, you don't want to leave rotting food in the yeah. So I didn't really recycling I, I, bin. I didn't know that. I thought you could just leave it caked <laughs> on, and they put it through some power washer thing that like took everything off. I did the same thing, but I love how that's kind of like almost a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, I gotta wash. I want to save the earth, but <laughs> if it involves doing the dishes, <laughs> count me out. That's kind of it too. You know, you get that feeling like, how much work do you want me to be doing here, Earth? Well, me and Val were talking about it last week. She, you know, you, you think you're doing your part. You think you're doing something major, and it's just not even a drop of water no. you know, in the I, ocean. I read, and speaking of the ocean, you know that big plastic floating thing? <laughs> yes. I read some article yesterday that said that that was basically like, you know, the vast majority of that is actually discarded fishing gear. It's not like all of our milk cartons like we would be led to believe. Well, Unless no, that is. was some propaganda the other way. <laughs> no, there is a lot of that, but it's, I mean, you see a lot of animals tangled up in fishing nets and stuff like that, but there's mm-hmm. shoes in there and, yeah. you know. That's yeah, mine. Crazy. That's my bad, guys. <laughs> that shoe is definitely mine. That's It's Mario Batali's. <laughs> there's just a bunch of Crocs. Yeah, just floating. <laughs> For years, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum in Cleveland had a table where you could write in who you felt deserved to be inducted. And for years, the overwhelming choice was the Moody Blues. They have now been inducted. Nowadays, though, Hall of Fame visitors can enter Voice Your Choice voting booths and using your wristband, you can vote for who you feel should be enshrined. The leaderboard is just outside where the Hall of Fame plaques and exhibits honoring this year's inductees are. Leading the way, Def Leppard. Rest of the top ten include Stevie Nicks, Iron Maiden, Pat Benatar, Styx, Radiohead, Meatloaf, Rage Against the Machine, Blink-182, oh. and Janet Jackson. 
To be eligible for induction, artists have uh, have to have released their debut recording at least 25 years prior. While this list is not next year's ballot, three of the artists, Janet Jackson, Radiohead, and Rage Against the Machine, have previously been nominated. Stevie Nicks is already in as a member of Fleetwood Mac. This year's ballot will be released in the fall with the 2019 inductees announced in December. Next year's ceremony will be held in New York City, not in Cleveland. Highlights of this year's ceremony can be seen on HBO on May 5th. Finally, Austin Powers star Vern Troyer dead at the age of 49. A cause of death was not immediately released, but a post on his Facebook page alluded to depression and suicide. The statement reads, it is with great sadness and incredible heavy hearts to write that Vern passed away Saturday. Vern was an extremely caring individual. He hoped he made a positive change with the platform he had and worked towards spreading that message every day. Mike Myers paid tribute to his mini-me on Saturday, saying, quote, Vern was the consummate professional and a beacon of positivity for those of us who have the honor of working with him. It is a sad day, but I hope he is in a better place. He will be greatly missed. The two-foot actor uh, had struggled, two-foot-eight actor had struggled with alcohol abuse for years and actually almost died from alcohol poisoning in 2002. He did check into rehab last year. Here he is talking about getting sober after his time on the surreal life I realized you know how much I overdone it and you know you know watching that episode uh, got me to the point where um, I've been sober for two weeks now Besides the surreal life and the Austin Powers movies, he appeared in The Love Guru and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Oh wow poor little fella Yeah poor guy you know he was a big Steelers fan and was friends with AB yeah, came and hung out at camp in La Trobe, uh, and there's a bunch of pictures online of him, like he's hanging out with Arnold Palmer back in the day huh. and stuff. Oh yeah, Just- I followed him online. He he was putting out content like crazy. Really? Oh yeah, he had all these videos on his on his Twitter page. He was uploading constantly of him, like you know, driving around L.A. Which, by the way, he drives. That that shocked me. Right. Um, Drove. Yeah, he he, he obviously yeah, no right. longer driving. Right, um, but yeah, he was constantly just tweeting and making appearances, and I mean, it's pretty remarkable how active he was but for being a, a two foot eight guy with physical limitations. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, just a, a sad story mm-hmm. all the way around. Yep. That poor dude. That's a real life episode. You know, that's oh. Nobody will ever forget that. Oh, no. Funny, funny at the time, though. At the oh, time, my God. Hilarious. Yeah. Came in on that scooter, butt naked, and That's was why just those... peeing off of it. Yes, in the corner of the room. That's <laughs> why those shows are so awful, because you don't know if the producer was like, yeah, hey, have another drink, Vern. No, yeah, no, we'll start right. filming in an hour. No, have, a, have another one. Well, it probably wasn't multiples. It was like, finish that beer. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. he's a little guy. Right. Should be a nice spring day today. Partly cloudy temperatures near 70. It's 50 at DV. I brought the weather back for you, Val. Good. Yeah. Thank God. Thank you so much. And the W is for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Latang hurries to the ice. He knocked down the Turier. There's no penalty going to be called. The Penguins have scored from the left side. They take the sixth goal. As Jake Kinsel will get it, and he'll get the hat trick, and the Penguins have a 6-4 lead. Oh Great my goodness! Balls of fire! Yeah, that's right. Such a swing in emotions after oh that trip. Lord. I screamed, 
Jeff, yeah, Latang. Yeah. And then, yeah. Latang says, hey, I didn't trip him. I went right for the puck. He dove at me and missed. Whatever the uh, outcome. If, you know, Flyers fans are going to be bitching about that. But it was, what, how no many question. seconds later that Getzel got his fourth of the game? Yeah. And the fans have scored again. Right back on the attack, and they're doing it all. It is Gensel again. Hallelujah, Hollywood. Can you believe what's going on here? Jake Gensel has registered his fourth goal. Oh He's set up by Hornquist, and the Penguins <laughs> <laughs> have cashed in again. Uh, Dude, he scored four straight. Dave Haxtall, Flyers coach after the game. Keep that Gensel out of my way while you're making up your mind. Yeah. What a W by the Pittsburgh Penguins. They eliminate the Flyers. Have you seen the Flyers win the Cup? No, you haven't. Not unless you were around in 1975. They're done. Make no mistake about it. Bye-bye. That Couturier. Look. I was just going to say. That oh, guy's around for a phenomenal. long time. He's a badass. Playing a, with a torn MCL. Had a torn, torn MCL. Uh, had a couple of a hat trick yesterday. I think five points on the day. Mm-hmm. Big game for him. Mike will have more coming up in sports. We'll also be talking with Jay Caulfield from AT&T Sportsnet, Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette, and our old buddy Colby Armstrong giving us a shout after 9 o'clock to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and how they were able to best the Philadelphia Flyers in six games. And the Penguins were in danger of blowing a 3-1 lead and taking it to Game 7 and having to come back to PPG Paints Arena. I did not want that to happen. I thought for sure it was going to happen. After the first goal, I'm like, they're going to lose today. That's it. That's what I thought, too. Oh, my God. I had to... I was outside painting my foundation. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't watch the first period. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't I watch the first deal two with it. periods. That was the first time I've had the real stress of the yeah, postseason. Me too. I agree. There was a lot of leeway in the other games where you didn't feel that like you know you're on the edge of your seat, but you didn't feel the impending doom of elimination mm-hmm. or or the embarrassment, and you start to go through. Oh, what it'll be like if if the Flyers beat us? And, oh no, how will I emotionally handle this? Well, worry not. The Penguins bailed you out of having to deal with any emotional conundrum of that sort. And they'll need the time off. Boy, will they ever. And let's hope that they the Blue Jackets win tonight. Or is it tonight or tomorrow night? Tonight. 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 Uh, it, it, take it to seven games, please. Yeah. I mean, no matter please. who it is, I don't care who it is out of the well, two of them. Well, Torch guaranteed it was going seven games. So. Good. Well, let's hope he's right about this this time. Uh, more on that coming up. The bottom of the hour, Mike Pursuta with your sports and the pens advance. It is the DVE morning show. And uh, we were just talking about the passing of Vern Troyer, two foot eight. Vern Troyer, mini me. One of the guys on the DVE comedy festival this year, one of the comics, Brad Williams, is uh, a little person, a dwarf. uh, Or wait, no, he's a little person, not dwarf. Yeah. I don't, uh, dwarfism is different. Right. But But what was Vern? Something else, right? I don't know. I don't know. But we talked about, we asked Brad, like, well, what are we, what are we supposed to say? What, we, you know, we were saying midget for so long, and then they said, you know, no, That's don't say midget. It's insensitive. Right. You know, we don't want to be insensitive. Of course not. We just are sometimes. But here's Brad talking about that. I get emails from a lot of, because there's a main little people organization called LPA, which stands for Little People of America. And they, 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 they do amazing work in, in many facets, so I, I actually support them. But they send me messages all the time, like, talk about this, push this agenda, talk, you know, 
don't say the word midget. I'm like, really? Like, why? It's, it's a bad word. You call a dwarf a midget. It's just like calling a black person the well, N word. Yeah, that needs clarification. Yeah, man, midget, because... please. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would, I would, I would guess that it is a case by case basis. There are some that are that are okay with it, yeah. and some that not so okay with it. Absolutely. And the ones that are not okay with it, uh, they're the ones that uh, when I did a show in Detroit, actually protested me. That was. Awesome! You got protested, I got protested by, little really? by little people, and I don't know if you can really call it pro. Is it really a protest if a Mini Cooper can drive up and block the entire <laughs> protest? <laughs> like if if two Fiats park next to each other, it shuts your thing down. I, I don't know if that counts, but uh, yeah, they, they, they protest me because I say the word midget, and I just thought it was hilarious because it's like, dude, it doesn't have power over you. It's just a word and. And unlike other racial slurs, like other racial slurs mean hateful things, and they and they were invented because of these things. Uh, like uh, calling a German a, a, a kraut is because they eat a lot of sauerkraut, and you know, and, and things like that. And but like midget do doesn't have any basis in hatred. It's just like, hey, that thing's cute. It's a midget. Okay, cool. And it's that <laughs> that's all it is. So there's is no the argument basis for them hatred. that it reduces you to a stereotype, or uh, like why why do they have the LPA? Why do they have a problem with that? The use of the I word? don't know because they they love the words dwarf and little person. And to me, to me, dwarf has like more of a right. Like you think I'm gonna walk out and like I gotta protect Snow White or right. something it like has that, like right? A fairy tale. Or, yeah, to I'm it. gonna have a battle axe and I'm gonna be like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Like it's my process, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. It's, it's more fantastical and little person. You don't know what you're talking about. You hear little person, you think like, oh, Chinese. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're very tiny people, okay? They're very tiny people. What do you think? Jake Gensel. Four goals yesterday for the diminutive forward. Who comes up with the game one goal short of Mario Lemieux's playoff record five-goal performance. Against Philly as well. <laughs> and two, was that... Uh, wait, what year was that? I'm getting my Mario... 96? No. At any rate... Michael have the uh, full details coming up about yesterday's huge win for the Pittsburgh Penguins in Philadelphia. My favorite part of the series is that we got the Flyers fans' hopes up so that they bought tickets to see the Flyers, and every time they paid for those expensive postseason tickets, they went home disappointed because they, they lost all their home games. How about those idiots throwing stuff on the ice at the end of the game? What did you expect? It's exact that. Yeah, that I actually expected that sooner. <laughs> full, full beers, missiles, unbelievable. They gotta identify those people and, and you know ban them, ban them, make yeah. them, you know, so they stop doing that. Thing. I was, I said, what? How many seconds were there? Like thirty-eight some seconds left. I was like, just call the game now. End I thought it. about that too. I was like, I wonder if they'll just say call the game. Like it's not safe after the empty netter. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think they should put that netting that they have behind the goal all the way around in Wells Fargo. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> Mario had five goals in 1989. Uh, it was, uh, was it seven years or six years to the day since Philadelphia eliminated the Penguins in a similar style all out kind of just wide open game wide open lots of physicality meltdowns. It was a meltdown for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, no doubt about it. But not yesterday, as they continue on on their quest for a third straight Stanley Cup. 
Gensylvania yesterday. For now and forever. Sid, the kid, killed them. Killed them. Killed the Flyers. He's a Flyer killer. Mike with details on how Penn's got away with some stuff yesterday, including some shoddy defensive play, some shaky goaltending. It mattered not. When you're champions, as Kevin Allen wrote, you can win when you're not at your best. Penguins weren't at their best yesterday. They didn't have Geno, and they still scored eight goals. And when did Hagelin leave? Was that second period? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that didn't look good. We'll talk with Mike Moore about yesterday's huge win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it's on to the winner of the Blue Jackets and the Cap Series. And that's game six tonight. Is that in, uh, is it in uh, uh, Columbus? It's in Columbus, yeah. yeah. All right. Good deal. Sports next. DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuti here right now with highlights of yesterday's Penguin victory to close out the Flyers and end their season. Mike. Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Penguins did not have Evgeny Malkin available for Game 6 yesterday afternoon in Philadelphia against the Flyers, but they had Jake Gensel, and Gensel stepped up. Someone invariably does for the Penguins in such situations. Here's Mike Sullivan. I, I just think he's, you know, he's one of those guys that um, that has it. You know, he, he just he has the ability to play his best when the stakes are the highest. And and we've got a number of guys on this team, and I think that's why they've been able to accomplish what they've been able to accomplish. And uh, they they te- they they tend to embrace adversity. They embrace the struggle. They. Um, you know, even you know, we we have to we don't get it done in Game Five. We've got to come back to Philly, which is a hard place to play. Uh, and you know, our, our team doesn't just doesn't get rattled. They uh, they just embrace the challenge. And I think Jake is one of those guys. Uh, he's not the only guy. We've got a number of them, and I think that's why our team is what is has been able, as I said, has been able to accomplish what it has. But now, Jake Gensel came up with the four goals and an assist, five points. And he was plus five in the Penguins' 8-5 series clinching win over the Flyers. And a little uh, historical perspective on that. Jake Gensel became the third player in NHL history to score four straight goals in a postseason game. Not just four goals. Right. A natural four. Consecutively. natural four, whatever you call it. Four trick. Uh, The only other guys to do that were Nuzi Lalonde of the Canadians in 1919. And oh, Tim, that sounds like an old-timey name. And Tim Kerr of the Flyers in 1985. So some historic stuff for Jake Gensel. He also uh, scored the two fastest goals in Penguins playoff history at a couple ten seconds apart. Those are the uh, fifth fastest two goals in NHL playoff history. You know you're making history when you start comparing stats and you're like, oh, yeah, old Skatesy McHockey yeah. had that record since 1806. Yeah, there was, uh, from my perspective, there was a lot that was troubling about the Penguins' performance yesterday, but there was a lot that was spectacular. And they didn't have to be good enough to beat Boston, Tampa, or Nashville. They had to be good enough to beat Philly. Right. And they were. So uh, advance and move on. But uh, just to keep a little perspective on it, uh, they've got to play better than they did the last two games. Uh, I thought they got slappier the longer that series went. Oh, I think that I felt uh, like most Penguin fans did that yesterday was was uh, the big victory was not being embarrassed by the Flyers. 
you know, mm-hmm. not being drubbed by the Flyers in round one in your quest to three-peat and giving their organization life. And it, yeah, you don't want to lose to them because that is not a good hockey team. Yeah, it, They're a no. mess. And uh, that's in the rearview mirror now. I mentioned that uh, Kenny Malkin didn't play after sustaining the lower body injury. Lower body injury. In game five. Gensel stepped up with the four goals. But how about Mike Sullivan putting Riley... Shane as the second line center, not Derek Broussard. I thought that's one of the reasons they got Broussard was to be Malkin or Crosby insurance. Instead, Sullivan, who always, always or so it seems, has his finger on the pulse of his team. He knows exactly what button to push and when. He keeps Broussard with Connor Sherry and Brian Rust, keeps that third line intact, and just moves uh, Shane up from the fourth line. And uh, man, did uh, Riley Shane justify the faith shown in him by his head coach. I thought he was terrific. Uh, you know, Riley's been such a valuable player for our team. He's we, We've cast him in so many different roles. You know, he, he's a talented kid. He's uh, And he's embraced the challenge that, that whatever we put in front of him, it's whether it's, you know, tonight he, he, he jumps into that second line role, plays with Phil. I thought Phil had a strong game. His line was really good, but I thought Riley was terrific. Not just five on five, but he was a big part of that four on three kill. Won a lot of faceoffs for us. He's hard to play against. Um, he's an important player for us. Yeah, the four on three kill was uh, a critical part of the game. Riley Shane wound up playing 20 minutes and seven seconds. Wow. And uh, 333, that was shorthanded. Flyers 0 for 3 on the power play. Their power play was not a factor in the series. And uh, that's, hmm. a, that's a big reason why the Penguins were able to win it. Uh, I, I really Unbelievable su- effort. Yeah, really I surprised agree. me when I saw the way he deployed the troops. And damn if it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard to question Mike Sullivan, at least until he loses a playoff series. And that has not happened yet. Uh, yeah, that, what's he, 9-0? and 9-0, and uh, <laughs> that's pretty significant as well. Uh, more on the historical perspective. The Penguins also won nine consecutive postseason series from 1991 into 1993. That was the first two cups and then a first-round win. Uh, that streak stopped when they lost to the Islanders, the David Volick game back in 93. They're the second team in NHL history to have at least two postseason streaks of nine series or more. The Canadians won 13 in a row from 1976 to 80 and 10 in a row from uh, 1956 to 60. So some heady stuff uh, as the Penguins move on to the NHL's final eight. Uh, There were times it did not look good uh, yesterday, particularly after they turned a 2-1 lead into what became a 4-2 deficit midway through the second period. But Patrick Hornquist, who made his return to the series yesterday afternoon, said the Penguins never lost faith. Obviously, it bothers you, but uh, we, we stick with it. We, we've been through this a lot, and, and uh, just, the, the, just the resilience we show that after they went up 4-2, it's, it's, it's huge. That's, that's turned the, the whole game around, and, and, and then in, in, in the period between second and, and third, we just have a good feeling in this room. We're going to do it, and we took over the game in the third and, and won the series. Yeah, I mean, commits a com- uh, crucial turnover. And then bounces back to be the most integral player, you know, outside of Gensel on the squad going forward. I mean, a huge goal from Hornquist in that game again. Guy just makes big-time plays. 
Yeah, and he was uh, he was beating himself up over that turnover. He thought he owed him one after that. And, you know, that's the same kind of play that Phil Kessel made on the shorty in game five. This one wasn't a short and he had a goal scored five seconds after a power play expired. But the, the lateral stuff through the neutrals, yeah. I mean, I don't know Cross what they're ice. thinking. You can't do that stuff against a good team. And get away with it. And if you're in the postseason, you're playing a good team. Well, they're going to well, play. Kind of. You know what? I think I think next round. It's immediately. They're, the, they're going to be a favorite again. And then we'll see after that. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be tougher against either Washington or Columbus. But uh, I think the Penguins are still better than either one of those teams. And, and then we'll see where we are going to the uh, Eastern Conference Final. But uh, some really good stuff in this series, I thought, through the majority of it. But when they broke down, man, did they break down. Uh, when Ruido couldn't clear it. Um, uh, it's a great example. He, he had time and he didn't realize it, but Alexiak's sitting there watching. Pick up a guy. You got you yeah. got your goalie, and Ruido's got the puck on his blade in the in the crease. You don't want 19 sticks in there. Yeah. Turn around and pick up a guy. Don't let Sean Couturier go in and, uh, as Bob Beery might say, pickle stab it yeah. into the net. Just, just box out. And that wouldn't have been a goal. Right. Uh, the Hornquist play, that, that's a goal you shouldn't allow. Uh, the Lawton goal was a real softy real on Matt softy. Murray's part, yeah. which you don't usually see. But that's there's you're giving them three right there. That that's not a good idea to do in a potential clinching game. But mm-hmm. uh, surviving advance is the idea, and uh, they did both. No Gino, no problem. Eight goals. <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound like a hot take, and I promise I'm not trying to make it that. But I think Hornquist is actually more important to have for one game. As opposed to like the series, you, you know what I'm saying? Just because of his his intensity, what he means on the power play, his it's a net really front valuable, presence, un- underappreciated guy. Yeah, I I don't know if more so, but maybe it's as important. Would you buy that? Yeah, I think if you know if, if it's some, harder to compensate the absence of Geno over the course of a series, I think. Yeah, I mean they're different types of players, but I think they're both critical to what what goes on, and. Uh, Malkin's another guy that uh, he took uh, dumb penalties again uh, repeatedly in the series. Latang did it yesterday. Phil, oh. Phil Kessel did it yesterday. Um, that stuff's they got to clean that up. That 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 is a recipe for failure. But uh, their resilience is a recipe for success, and they were able to tap into that a couple of times yesterday. Right after the the bad start, when the Flyers grabbed the early lead and the building was rocking, and then when they when they blew the two one lead and all of a sudden we're down two. But uh, they just keep playing. Uh, on to the second round. Uh, Nashville eliminated Colorado last night, five to nothing. Uh, a couple of game sixes tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Bruins are at the Maple Leafs. Boston leads that series three games to two, and the Caps are at the Blue Jackets. Washington ahead three games to two. But Bill, as you mentioned, John Tortorella has already guaranteed Game Seven. Yeah, he called a shot. So we'll see that Wednesday night. That series is insane. Four OTs out of five, and one of them double OT. Good. Beat Columbus each other left. up. Yeah. Keep going. They're uh, they're playing some stressful hockey in that series. Take uh, seven. Whoever comes out of that is the winner. Is not going to have much uh, to offer in game one. I'm guessing. Perhaps not. Let's hope that's exactly the case. It's going to take them a little while to recharge the battery. Uh, Pirates uh, had a disastrous weekend in Philadelphia. Bucks lose yesterday uh, to the Phillies, three to two in eleven innings. Uh, that was zero for four on the weekend. 
Pirates fall to 12 and 10. They are uh, out of first place in the National League Central Division. They're a game and a half behind St. Louis and Milwaukee. They are off today, and then uh, they'll welcome the Tigers for a three game series starting tomorrow. Jordan Zimmerman against Chad Cool. Hope the Pirates bubble didn't burst. Bring everybody home from Philly now. Fun while That's it lasted, it. right? Yeah. How about, did you watch any of the Pirate game yesterday before the hockey? I watched. I watched the highlights of that one at bat that was like 13 minutes long. I was just fascinated by the crowd. It was a Giants game. Oh, that was a different game. Yeah. I was fascinated by the crowd shots because there were a lot of hockey jerseys at the baseball stadium. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Flyer jerseys, Penguin jerseys. Uh, In game five on uh, Friday night, somebody from Philly had a Nick Foles jersey because he was like, he probably didn't feel real confident about game no, five. No, yeah. Wanted to feel good about Get things. Get some Eagles mojo. Uh, <laughs> just, just about it. Guys build over stuff. I mean. Did anybody throw anything on the oh. field in the Pirates game? Uh, I didn't uh, see any. I didn't watch a lot of it. Was restricted solely to the hockey game? I flipped it through five innings. I think that was restricted solely to the hockey mm. game. Here, here's my question about that. They said they were throwing full beer cans. Full beers. Now, That's like 12 bucks. Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they cut the alcohol sales off after the second period? Uh, unless you're in the club. Do you think the people in the club were throwing stuff? Yes. Or do you think you got to be a person of means to throw away a full beer? Or do you think it was people in the upper beer. deck that were either a saving a full beer to yeah. the end of the third period just in case they might want to throw it? Might be that, even though the game was four four after yeah. two periods. Or do you think they were maybe filling those cans with something that looked like beer? Oh, I hate that. Uh, so that they would have the trajectory capability. No. God, I hope not, although I wouldn't put it past in there. See, Trucker I think, hand grenades. I think they probably just... Uh, that was my first thought. Not, you know. Well, don't read anything into that, but... You did? You were born in Philly. No, see, I think that it's likely that they actually have a beer stand full of skunked beers that you can buy for a buck. There, you know, throwing beers. Yeah. Bargain <laughs> beer. Hey, we're losing. Get them, get them on a list. Get your throwing beer. <laughs> Val's got your news coming up top of the hour. Well, the we'll talk about the wet way that officials in China are using to try to stop jaywalking. Should be pretty nice today. Partly cloudy, near 70 for the high. It's 50 at DVE. Also, uh, if your kid's going off to prom, maybe a, a, a bit of a, a, a do's and don't list, at least one item on the don't list offered uh, by Jay Feely yesterday, former NFL kicker, NFL analyst, and people were, were going crazy about this. We'll talk a little bit about why he drew the ire of uh, some people around the country and then had a lot of people backing him, too. Plus, we're talking more Penguins hockey with Jay Caulfield, Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette, and our old friend, Colby Armstrong. That's coming up after 9 o'clock. Pens win! Yeah, it's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter. Penguins win in Game 6 against the Flyers yesterday. Gensel, 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 Gensel. Four goals. Gensylvania. For Jake and Bake. But it all got started with Sid, the flipping kid. Sidney Crosby, a waste of drop of the puck here from the linesman. Fiffle up. Called the duty to go up against Sid uh, last game. And here's Latang After the shot, rebound, score. Crosby puts it in. The pins have tied it. Latang got the shot away off the pad of Neubert. And Sidney Crosby has scored again. For the Penguins, the late leading goal scorer, it is 1-1. Yeah, that tied it. Hagelin would come up with a goal shortly thereafter. Pens would go up 2-1. And then the Flyers would uh, equalize it before the end of the period. 
Then the Flyers went up by two goals. And the Penguins equaled that. We went into the third period tied before that insane. All down to 20 minutes. Third period. That ended with Flyers fans throwing their beers from the upper deck onto the ice. Howls. Were they celebrating Gensel there I'm for nice. his Labatt trick? <laughs> I like four that. goals. I like that. Yeah, I think that's what they were doing. But Sid the Kid, once again, a flyer killer. Uh, your uh, tale of the tape between Flyers captain Fraud Giroux and Penguins captain Sidney Crosby. Sid, in six games, six goals, six assists, 13 points, plus seven. Um, Giroux... Minus 10 for the series. I think he had like three points, right? he had three points and one goal. Yuck. So the mantle has not yet been handed over. And he might not be handing it to Claude. He might be handing it to Couturier. Who is incredible. Boy, that guy played on an MCL, had a ridiculous game, uh, and uh, had a hat trick of his own. Five points. Unbelievable. And he's a badass. Did you think Latang tripped him? I thought he did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I thought it was crazy. Even like did. right now, do you think he did? Or at the time, did you think he tripped him? At the time. Yeah. I, I mean, immediately I screamed, F Latang. Right. Yep. Because Latang was like, had one of those games where he had three assists and then he took a terrible penalty that like colored his entire performance. Yeah. Was that before or after he blasted? Was it Couturier? Couturier yeah. Into the net. Into the right net? into the net. And no. then that was to give them After a got four beat. three advan- a four three man advantage, right? Uh, that was, was on the four on four, yeah. Yeah. So and then the Penguins were remarkable on the penalty kill yesterday, and particularly right there, and Riley Shea and really uh earning his stripes and the confidence yeah, boy, of Coach game. Sullivan who bumped him up to the second line. I think he won Gino. every face off too. Yeah, he, 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 he had, had a hell a of a massive game. game uh in that regard too. Uh you know, I'm coming back from vacation, perusing the news, and uh, it's almost comforting to see that chaos still reigns. Uh, Yesterday, in a not really all that important story, but it became one, Jay Feely, former NFL kicker who was doing terrible sideline analysis during, was it Fox or CBS was he hired by? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Fox. He used to do the games, and they would only ask him for analysis on place kicks. Which was which nobody cares about. Nobody cared about it. It was like way too much information and no one really gave a rat's ass. Well, yesterday <laughs> he caught hell because he took a picture uh, with his daughter and her boyfriend. She'd been dating him for a year. They were off to the prom. And uh, he uh, posted a picture on social media wishing my beautiful daughter and her date a great time at prom. And he's standing in between his daughter and her boyfriend who were all dressed up for prom. And he's got... A revolver in his hand. He's got a, uh, He's got a, a Glock. Gun. Yeah. Not a revolver. Yeah. Glock. Okay. Some kind of like, it looks like a, like a nine. Uh, so at any rate, he's got a, yeah, he's got a gun. And then people went crazy. They're like, oh, that's real nice. Nice message to send in the wake of what's happened in Parkland. Let's joke about shooting high school kids. In no way, shape or form w- would he have been making a joke regarding that. You know? Yeah, I don't. 
He Thanks. said, so he had to follow up with the prom picture I posted was obviously intended to be a joke. My daughter has dated her boyfriend for over a year and they knew I was joking. I take gun safety seriously. The gun wasn't loaded. It had no clip in it. I don't intend to be insensitive. I did not intend to be insensitive to that important issue. So, yeah, timing, maybe not the best in regards to everything else that had been going on. But to suggest for one second that this wasn't anything more than the old joke sort of updated right. for modern times. That's why I think if he would have wore overalls and had a shotgun, Nobody would have gave a rat's ass. I Maybe, think it's yeah. it's just, you know, this is this is the landscape we live in now where if you make a joke and put it out on social media, you've got to think how that joke might affect every single person that's alive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because if you send that exact same picture in a group thread around to your friends and family that you grew up with, it's the funniest thing anybody's ever seen. Well, and then Shania Twain, people are like, I'm done with her because she said she would vote yeah. for Trump. Like, what? I mean, what? Who cares? Yeah, I, it's so dumb. Number one, Shania what? Twain is Canadian and couldn't vote for Trump. Number two, who cares? What? And what are we costing her? Is she apologized? I, don't, I have no idea why yeah, she apologized. I don't know why she apologized either. Well, she wants to be able to go to Coachella next year and be able to take pictures with the Migos and two chains and whoever else she ends up hanging out with <laughs> what she did this past weekend yeah. but they did an interview with her and she said oh, i'm canadian but i probably would have voted for trump by the way there was nuance in that answer you know if you really want to investigate it and parse through what she said she could have just been saying hey at the time he seemed like the guy to me you know She's they didn't say the like well what do you think about what's going on now you know it, it, because it doesn't matter that's why they don't ask a follow-up because it doesn't matter it's shania twain who cares it should have been taking up any space between our ears yeah. this weekend. And it was like the Jay Feely thing. I understand. The other thing is to the point that you just made, Bill, like you, you better be prepared for the backlash from every single person on earth. You have to consider everybody's <laughs> feelings. Yeah. Uh, but like the idea that we need to elevate everything to the same level of bad, like, yes. And we, we need to be outraged about everything. Right. We have no nuance. Like Shania Twain is as bad as Scott Pruitt. They're not the same. Don't get as mad at her. Who cares? But do we have the ability to have any levels of anger anymore? Or are we just zero to outrage? Yeah, we just go zero to Mach 7. Right out of the gate. I think everybody should get happy pills. Or just right, get off the social media. Buddy. Yeah, get off social media. That's the thing. Get off social media. I have a friend who never watches the news, doesn't read. The, I'm like, man, you must live in the happiest world ever. <laughs> yeah. Or at least like when they're upset, it's about things in their life right. that matter to them. Right. And that affect them. What's wrong? What's wrong over there? Uh, I just found out Conway Twitty's niece said she's pro-Trump. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to make it through dinner. <laughs> It's so stupid. Yeah. Put things in perspective, people. Plus, you got hockey. That's right. Penguins hockey as they uh, close out the Philadelphia Philadelphia Flyers yesterday. Hornquist, crucial turnover. Vows to make up for it. Does with big third goal. After the buck will be Hornquist. He can't come up with it. And the Flyers again. Unable to clear. Here with it, Crosby to Gensel. In front, score! Penguins, Hornquist makes it 4-3 on a Boy. pretty passing play. And the Penguins climb the ladder to get back in here as they cash in 
And you can book him, Dano, with Hornquist finishing the block. One of the best guys on the bench, one of the best guys on the ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Horny gets it done and starts the comeback there. They were down two at that point after a turnover that he uh, was responsible for. That line was absolutely absurd yesterday. Yeah. Hornquist, Sid, and Gensel? Good Lord. First line made him pay. Gensel would go on to score four more. <laughs> and the Penguins win after an empty netter from Rusty. They go on to win 8-5. Anybody else get a little nervous when that uh, fifth one went in with three minutes left? Yes. Yeah. Because that's still a lot of time. A lot of time there. Look how many times, twice in this series, quick, really quick goals have been scored. Oh, yeah. And Gensel would have scored seven more, though. I think. That, that is true. <laughs> Val's got your news coming up next as we celebrate the Penguins win over the Flyers this morning. What do you got? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how China is dealing with uh, jaywalking in a very wet way. I think I like this already. <laughs> uh, Jason Mackey. From the Post-Gazette, Jay Caulfield from AT&T Sportsnet and Colby Armstrong all to come this morning, all talking Penguins hockey. And now we wait to see the uh, the Capitals in the Blue Jackets series. And who wins there? Caps got a 3-2 edge. They're back in Columbus tonight for game six. Hopefully they just keep beating the snot out of each other. Drag the it Penguins out. Just rest. Just rest. More Penguin talk coming up, DV. Have you heard of eco-anxiety? Apparently, 72% of millennials suffer from it. Eco-anxiety is apparently the stress and uneasiness felt when watching, hearing, or reading negative news stories about the environment. I used to blindly throw things in the recycling bin like, it's glass, it'll get recycled. Mm -hmm. You know, like a jelly jar or something. You're like, oh, well, that jelly jar is going to get recycled. I've done my work here. But you have to, like, wash that stuff out. I did the same thing, but I love how that's kind of like almost a deal breaker for me. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I got to wash it. I want to save the earth, but <laughs> if it involves doing the dishes, <laughs> count me out. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. And the Pens have scored again. Right back on the attack, and they're doing it all. It is Gensel again. Hallelujah, Hollywood. Can you believe what's going on here? Jake Gensel has registered his fourth goal. He's set up by Hornquist, and the Penguins <laughs> have cashed in again. Four goals, a natural 40. What do you call those, Val? What are, what are those? Uh, a 40. Yeah. That sounds good. I like <laughs> yeah, it's a Labatt trick. <laughs> Jake Gensel with four goals yesterday, and the Flyers... And their fans go home empty-handed because they threw whatever was in their hand <laughs> by the end of the game onto the yeah, ice. Yeah, you meant that literally. Yeah, uh, the, the Pens win in an uneven game at best. We'll say that. Not the Penguins' best game. But that's the mark of a true champion. You go out and you play a not-so-great game and still put up eight goals when one of your best scorers is on the bench the whole game. That's well, right. not, not on the bench. Not on, on the ice at all. Evgeny Malkin out for yesterday's game. They get Hornquist back. They lose Malkin. No worries. They still put up eight with the empty netter that Russ got uh, to seal things up. And that's when the beers really came flying and raining down on the ice. And, boy, people were super pissed. They really felt like they got jobbed, I think, uh, especially because of 
what they perceived to be a trip mm-hmm. from Latang. I, th- I think a lot of people perceived He got the puck, though, way. right? I mean, if he gets the puck first, you know, hey. Refs didn't think so. I, I actually don't care about that call at all. You know I what? hope there's firings today. I hope players get traded. I hope families are uprooted. I hope everybody's <laughs> hung over. I hope everybody threw up in their shoes. <laughs> no love lost. God, I hate them. Gensel comes through big. Jake and Bake all the way to a W. And Sidney Crosby's line absolutely decimates the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Six goals. Six goals for that line. Silly. <laughs> absolutely silly. No word on uh, Hagelin, who took a vicious shot to the mouth. And then Kessel... Tussles with Giroux afterwards, right? Now, here's the thing. They kept all the pundits, starting with Pierre, and then everyone followed suit. They've all acted like that was a turning point to see Phil the Thrill going after Drew. Did that really inspire you guys? Like it was Talbot fighting Carcillo or something. Yeah, yeah. And all he did was turn him around. It didn't look like there was much going on there. That is a lot of effort. Two non-fighters fighting. But everybody made a point to ask the players about that. And they said, like, you know, hey, did that really inspire you? And so the players, of course, were like, well, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if that really served to inspire them or if they were like, Phil, why'd you take a penalty there? We didn't We didn't really need you to <laughs> take a penalty there. But uh, if the narrative just turned into, oh, that really inspired you guys. Or did it really serve to, as a source of inspiration for the Penguins? I don't know. Matters not because the Penguins go on to uh, just, I mean, immediately in the third period. Phil probably would have fought him yesterday yeah, if he probably. wasn't already out of breath before the Only fight Only if started. he had a hot dog. <laughs> like, if I didn't just have a ham sandwich, I'd be throwing punches right now. If I didn't have meat sweats right now, I'd be ripping your jersey over your head, you jag off. He had a good game yesterday. Bouncing Phil? back from a terrible uh, oh my game God. five. Yeah. When it was 4-2, Phil was awesome. I was thinking, clearly the better team is not going to win today. You thought I was just so you were prepared resigned to the seven. fact that, yeah, that we was going to go to a when, game. Uh, when they scored the first goal the way they did, when uh, uh, we couldn't clear the puck, and was it Rue Weedle just couldn't clear the puck, and we were just down one goal immediately, and that stat keeps popping up all over Twitter. The team that has scored the first goal <laughs> yeah. in this series has won every game. And then I kept thinking about the stat that they haven't lost back-to-back, the Penguins hadn't lost back-to-back games in however Long it was. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, until today. Yeah. <laughs> Till now. Matt Murray wasn't great yesterday. No, shaky goal and uh, a couple that shouldn't have happened there, but the Penguins persevered. They win yesterday, 8 5, in I won't say impressive fashion, but they won. Eight goals is pretty impressive. Closing a team out I on mean, their ice. Giving up five isn't so impressive. Well, no, that too. <laughs> That's the only thing about that. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to put an eight burger on the board. Latang with three assists yesterday. And a lot of Penguin fans still think he had a terrible game. <laughs> well, he took a couple of terrible penalties. One in particular. Michael, have more on that coming up. Plus, we're going to talk with Jay Caulfield at 815. Uh, our friend Jason Mackey from the Post Gazette returns 845. And Colby Armstrong, 915 this morning, all talking pens, flyers. And now we sit and wait in heel and uh, hope that Columbus. <laughs> And the Capitals can just beat the snot out of one another. We got tickets to give away for Billy Gardell's show at the Benningham Center. Beautiful. No, we don't. That shouldn't be on there. We gave those away last week. Ah, 
That's okay. We, we don't, don't have tickets to give away. How do you like that? We huh. giveth and we taketh away. <laughs> We've already giveth. We already gaveth. Gaveth. Yeah. We gaveth at the office. Somebody wanteth, but nobody will wanteth today. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. We really sort of spoke. That's our one another. Fake. Yeah. Val has the news. Uh, we're going to talk about, did you hear that story about the dog that spent the night with a little girl? Did I? That dog's we're, a wait, badass. What? This gonna, dog should be a saint. He might be. We'll talk about it coming okay, up. Okay, having no Pretty context awesome. to the story, I that that kind of it's just another me a bit. it's another you story hear about, about that dog that spent the night with the girl. What? Oh no, no, uh-uh. it's a good story about okay, how good. awesome dogs are. How about Thank how you. awesome the weather's going to be? Well, I'm totally out of it. I thought we were going into commercials there. No, I know. That's what... <laughs> uh, there's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 50 degrees now at DVE. Big big concert announcement. Huge. Um, I wish I had that news. This just in. Bulletin, bulletin, bulletin. That. Uh, big concert announcement for DVE. Our Halloween party set for Friday, October 26th. It will be a paranormal evening with Alice Cooper. Yeah, dude! A Halloween party with Alice Flippin' Cooper. So awesome. Tickets are 45 bucks. Pre-sale tickets will go on sale this Thursday at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster Outlets. The password is NORTH. Uh, the public tickets go on sale Friday, 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster and Stage AE box office. And if you need more information or you forget anything, you can find it at StageAE.com. How do you like that? All right. That's, that's pretty one cool. That's awesome. Of a Halloween party for DVE. Yeah. Alice Cooper. Excited. It's funny because we were bitching that we needed to do something big for Halloween this yeah. year. And, we, you know, all the ideas we had, way suckier than that. Like, <laughs> all of them way suckier than yeah. that. And then all of a sudden, someone comes through with the home run. Why don't we just do Alice Cooper? Boom! Look at that. That'll be fun. Alice. Now, if Mini Kiss was opening, well, now at, we're to... There are jurgles. Huh. I think in September. They cost more than Alice Cooper. <laughs> Guys are expensive. Yeah. Which... Why we were never able to get them. Well, yeah, you would just think that they, proportionally they wouldn't cost as much. <laughs> if you pay them to scale. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta save some money. Uh, all right, Flyers uh, lose, and that feels really good. So uh, we're basking in the glow of the Penguins' win, and we escaped the indignity of having been knocked out by the Flyers after having a three-one lead. Yeah, that's really the, all the pressure. A team that barely made it into the playoffs, right. last game of the yeah. season, had no business hanging around in this series. No, none. Kept giving them life. Yes, I did not want it to come back here. But think about this: the end result of their playoff is they saw their team get trounced at home three times. They saw no wins. They got no joy. They paid for all Bye. those tickets. Yeah. See ya. I love that. Have they a nice showed summer. up hopeful and I hate the Penguins, and they spent all that money on those expensive <laughs> beers that they threw on the ice and tickets probably averaging around 200 a pop, only to see them lose every single time. All right. Val's got news right now about a dog. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Four former presidents and first ladies got together Saturday in Houston to remember former first lady Barbara Bush at her funeral. She died last Tuesday at the age of 92. The historic meeting was captured in a photo by Paul Morse, who was a White House photographer during George H.W. Bush's preg- uh, presidency. The photo features George W. Bush and his wife, Laura, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack and Michelle Obama, current first lady Melania Trump and George H.W. Bush, who was seated in a 
wheelchair. Notably absent was Donald Trump. According to the White House, the president decided to skip the funeral out of respect to the Bush family and avoid distractions his security team might cause. Yeah, he went golf and nobody cares about that part. That part. You know, I don't think, you know, other presidents haven't gone to first former first lady funerals. Um Oh, I thought he just stayed away because he 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 wanted to respect Jeb's wishes. There was that too, you know. There there was talk about whether or not the Bush family wanted him there. But the story that everybody came away with was, well, look how happy Melania looks to just not be with Donald. Well, oh, look I, at all these pictures of her smiling and, and stuff. And I like, you know, I'm all for bashing Trump where he needs to be bashed. But do you think that your spouses don't act the same way when they get away from you? <laughs> That was the weird thing when I saw that picture. I'm like, why does everybody look so happy in that? Everybody's like got the big smile on their face. I mean, it seemed kind of weird at a funeral. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, everyone was like, look how happy she is to be away from Donald. I got news for you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Your spouse is just as happy. Yep. Everybody, I'm not pointing at you Sometimes they do it when I'm around. Like, Serena will be, I'm like, can you at least, I'm in the room. I can see you. She's smiling, thinking about being away from you? Yeah. Yeah, like two more days, and then she just drifts off into, smiling. Or like, we'll be fighting, and then people come over, and she's as bubbly as could ever, you know, be imagined. Sure. I'm like, oh, isn't this interesting? (laughs) Can't stand me, but you love the company, huh? all the garbage. That's right. Uh, the CDC says that, <laughs> that previous... Was, that was in my vowels. <laughs> <laughs> the CDC says that previous E. coli warning is now for all romaine lettuce. All of it. The health agency said all types of the vegetable grown in Arizona may be to blame for the E. coli outbreak. <laughs> That's a lot. Wow. Uh, it has reached at least 16 states and has made about 60 people sick, including here in Pennsylvania. Health officials say they have not identified the exact source, but all signs point to the city of Yuma. Which, does it say on your lettuce where it came from? I've never looked. I, never I didn't lettuce. know my lettuce had a backstory. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't. Um, Origin story. An E. coli infection one. can cause stomach cramps, vomiting, and even kidney failure. You know, this is one of those instances where science is, you know, we're, we're cool with it. Scientists what? say, don't eat the lettuce, you're going to get diarrhea. Everyone oh. goes, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, there's going to be an eclipse uh, across the whole United States. Take off work and check out this once-in-a-lifetime uh, solar event. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, global warming is... Oh, shut up. The science isn't in on that. <laughs> is it giving us diarrhea right now? Can we take off work to look at something? Maybe we should tell people Then we that. don't believe it. Don't eat romaine lettuce. It'll give you diarrhea. All right, I'll eat fast food, and that'll give me diarrhea. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing I thought. Oh, I'll, I'll eat spinach, but isn't that always one that E. coli pops up oh, pops yeah. up with? I swear, the fast food industry is behind these E. coli outbreaks. They're sending people like, out we there to get these poop people all over the fields. Right? Stop eating these salads. No, it's like one demented executive at Chi Chi's who wants to prove that it could happen to anybody, <laughs> and it wasn't just him. <laughs> Trying to cover his tracks. Yeah. Health department officials say a Bridgeville movie theater has been cited for mouse droppings. They say were too numerous to count. <laughs> Maybe it's the popcorn kernels yeah. again. Oh, no. I mean, the popcorn have they, kernels. Have they checked that out? I don't know. Maybe this. They got a new inspector who's just like I he mean, can't count past ten. They do serve uh, popcorn at the theater, and they mistook a lot of uh, popcorn kernels for mouse droppings at Pittsburgh Popcorn. Which Company, I didn't right? hear a follow up to that. 
What? I, I got to hear I this. I didn't hear if the health department ever confirmed, uh, yeah, it was burnt popcorn. No, but yeah, don't they, they lift, test it? But they lifted the, yeah, they do the Bill Murray but Baby Ruth test. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, take a lick. Somebody. I'm pretty sure they, they lifted the, the whatever, warning. the warning on Pittsburgh Popcorn Company because they were like, hey. They should have really put out a big, you know what, we screwed this one up. Yeah. Turns out those weren't turds. It was well, just a couple uh, of burnt kernels. I mean, Allegheny. I've seen burnt kernels. And like, you know, here's what'll scare you. But, if you if you got like rye seeds on bread. Yeah, that could be. That looks like mouse poop. Because mouse poop is not big. Right. Like a, a shit, not a shell. What, what, like the like outside. The, the husk, that's yeah. it. Yeah. No, and the husks are salty when you eat them. <laughs> That's a dead giveaway. Wait a second. Allegheny County investigators cited Chartiers Valley Stadium 18 for mouse droppings found in cabinets along the cash register line ah. in storage cup areas. They found droppings around the pretzel machine and in cabinets that stored butter dispensers. Well, how much is it to go to a movie there? Oh, man, that's the movie theater I go to. Yeah, you were just bar- no bragging about that. there's nobody there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's mouse turds everywhere. Dad, we need more Might. popcorn. I just got you a big bag. <laughs> it's all gone. Uh. Might be a good place to go see Infinity War is all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would Guaranteed. You well, you Guaranteed just don't need open seats. Did you see the story they did? It was in, the New- I believe, the New York Times yesterday about the mice in New York City. They did another, like, they ran a test on them to see like what kind of viruses. Plague. They have, like, more than ever before, and they're, like, confounded by some of the viruses that they carry. They're like, the mice in New York are more dangerous than anybody has uh, ever recorded in the past right now. I don't know. We uh, And they're prancing all over your house. Super viral mice. Giuliani has got to crack down. <laughs> I don't think that's his province anymore. No? No. No. He's, he's on the Trump legal team now. Well... He can he can divert for a second. I don't know. He fixed crime in the eighties, didn't he? He them him and Disney. Uh, the Jackson family is said to be fearing for Paris Jackson's life, according to Page Six. Insiders believe the twenty-year-old daughter of Michael Jackson is out of control and headed for a serious meltdown. Family's worries increased in March when she posted an Instagram video of herself walking along the ledge of a skyscraper. Uh, one unidentified relative, relative telling Page Six she's lost it. She really has. Insiders believe her friendship with model actress Cara Delevingne is partially to blame, and. Uh, this girl apparently, they say, has opened Paris to more dangerous passions. Paris has had problems in the past, including three suicide attempts. Her dad dangled her brother over a balcony, and they're worried about her. Yeah, like, where's Blanket in all this? Right. Uh, you know, she comes from a long line of... Uh, Crazy. Concerning behavior. And finally, U2 frontman Bono is the first ever recipient of the inaugural George W. Bush Medal for Distinguished Leadership. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer recently received the honor for his humanitarian work fighting poverty and preventable diseases like HIV and AIDS. In 2002, Bono went to the White House and lobbied Bush to lend financial support to a number of organizations working to help stem the AIDS crisis in poor countries. Meanwhile, U2 set to kick off its Experience and Innocent North American Tour on May 2nd in Tulsa. Maybe we need Bono to address the uh, the the mice crisis, the mices, the mices. Oh, don't tell me we have to fight mices too. <laughs> Partly cloudy near seventy for the high today. It's fifty at DVE. Oh, the penguins! Every time you thought they were out, they pulled themselves right back into the game. Sidney Crosby scores the equalizer 
early on in the first period, and then Hagelin shortly thereafter puts the Pens ahead. Trying to take a lead pass, jumped off of him. Riley Sheehan. Penguin forward comes in behind the goal. Leaves it for Kessel. Kessel in front, score! Hagelin right in front, and the Penguins have taken the lead, two to one. Oh, never teach a pig to sing. Carl Hagelin gives the Penguins the lead. Back what a pass in, by Kessel. Yeah, what a pass indeed by Kessel with the deke there. Opens oh, up the blade, awesome. moves it over for the easy tap, and boom! Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of the, I was thinking of the Gensel goal, actually. Uh, Gensel, you could forgive me for being confused. He had four of them. Four. Mike's got your sports when we come back. A full report, review of yesterday's win over the Flyers. The Penguins advance, and they wait to see who wins between the Capitals and the Blue Jackets. Jay Caulfield, 8-15. Live here on the show, and as previously announced, the DVE Halloween party featuring, featuring a paranormal evening with Alice Cooper, Friday, October 26th. It's the DVE Halloween party. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Pre-sales Thursday through Ticketmaster. Good the keyword stuff. is north. Keyword is north. There you go. All right, Mike Pursuta joins us next to talk about yesterday's elimination win. The Penguins send the Flyers packing. DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta here with a postmortem for the Philadelphia Flyers. Their season kaput. The Penguins advance. It's over. You know, all over Philadelphia last night, this morning, probably into the early stages of this week, the news organizations that cover the Flyers will be doing their season wrap-ups and their season analyses and they'll figure out what went right and what went wrong and what the Flyers have to do next year and all they need do is pull out what they came up with the year before and the year before and the year before <laughs> going back to about 1989 or 1990 because the goaltending still sucks <laughs> and you can't get anywhere with that that was embarrassing. Atrocious. You know, it's funny, Randy, you weren't here last week. Sports, by the way, this hour is brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. I was amazed that uh, the Flyers came up with what I thought were no-show efforts in Game 1 and Game 4. Game 4, particularly on their home ice, they had nothing effort-wise in the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, Val, Val and I were kicking it around that uh, maybe the coach needs to take the bold for that. because that's, yeah. that's I, I wasn't expecting Dave Haxtell to come up with a X and O plan that was going to beat the Penguins because based on these two teams that doesn't exist. But you got to try harder than they were trying in two games out of the six. Uh, now I'm starting to think maybe Ron Hextall's position needs to be reevaluated as well because he's a former goalie and if he was willing to go into the postseason with those goalies, what the f was he thinking? Right. Not that Neuvirth was you know solely responsible yesterday, but mm -hmm. they, that was uh, well. That's their problem. Uh, the Penguins are moving on. It's always on. their problem. It's a significant one. Seems like it's been their problem for about 30 years, doesn't it? Well, they've had many problems over the, over that time. And, you know, it seemed like uh, maybe they're slowly pivoting towards actually promoting skill on the ice and getting some, like, well-rounded players and not just go out there with the Broad Street Bully mentality of, well, we're going we're gonna to just out-physical you all and the then time. They, and, and then they play a guy like Radko Gudis. Who's a, just a thank you, big dope. Oh, I love that guy. Play him some more. Yeah. What are they thinking, Randall? 
I don't what? know, Mike. I just I I don't think this was their uh, you know they're not ready for prime time. Nope. They not they stumbled close. into the postseason, but they still they still put a scare into the Penguins. Well, they they were starting to yesterday. Uh, they they stole the one out. My goaltending ran aside. Brian Elliott found a way to keep the puck out of the net in Game Two, and then the really disappointing part of this series for me for the Penguins was Game Five. That's yep. you're up two to one late in the second period. You have two power plays and you have a chance to put your foot on their throat and end it right there. And not only do you not score, but you give up a shorty awful to shorty. tie the game. That's just that was absurdly awful. Agreed. Um, they got at home too. And then they uh, got- Give up the winner so with like ex- 90 seconds left. That extended it, and then you get into yesterday, and it just becomes playground basketball, make it, take it, kind of no structure, discipline. Just Six years to the day since the Penguins were knocked out by the Flyers yeah. in, in a series that every game looked like yesterday's game. Right, and that's that's the one way that Philly had a chance to beat them was to get the game into a situation like that. Didn't work yeah, yesterday. Yeah, turn it into a bleep show. Kill him on the power play. You know, uh, just don't let the Penguins score with the man advantage. And, uh, well, yesterday, Penguins did a pretty good job when they had to. When they had to. And that's, hey, don't underestimate that. Don't underrate that. But also, maybe don't rely on that too many times. You know, you, you go to that resiliency well. You right. Know, playing they, from ahead's okay, too. Were they 0 for 5 on a power play Friday night? Yeah, and with, with a shorty. So, yeah. And that's and they had an extended the four only on way they could win. Yeah, um, but how about how they played in the third period last night, Mike? Pretty good, except for or the yesterday. Uh, except for the dumb penalties. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the crystal. They Tang just didn't thing, allow a lot of shots. They don't want to call penalties in the third period. Latang committed assault. He committed four penalties to get one. The one where he, he, he cross checked him into the uh, Couturier, net. Yeah, Couturier into the yeah. net. It was Couturier, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's what because he got checked. I know. He lost his mind. Yeah. Which he does. You got to stop doing that. What about the trip that the Flyers wanted called? I thought it was okay. He got I'm, to the puck, right? I mean, I broke it down like there's a Bruder film, and, you know, you're going frame by frame. Yeah. It's a bang, bang play. I thought, I, I thought, again, after reviewing a replay frame by frame, I thought it was clear he got to the puck first. It he, looked horrific. In live play, like yeah. I was like, oh my God, that is an egregious penalty. It looked like he was just playing the puck and he got there first. And, uh, he said Couture was trying to hit him. Right. And he was trying to play the puck. And it looked like, boy, if he if he knocked him into the air with one hand on his stick by hitting him in the shins, the Crystal Tang's the world's strongest man, right? right? And I think there was a little mustard on that hot dog, to be honest with you. Yeah. After reviewing it, I thought... Uh, I thought Couturier was selling it. Uh, well, for sure, at the expense of uh, maybe playing the puck a little more soundly, and then it ends up on Gensel's yeah. I mean, stick. He, he could have played it too, and it makes yeah. sense. Latang said he he's convinced Couturier was trying to hit him, and he got his. Stick it looked in like there he launched himself, you know, up on further review. You know, if he's a little more aggressive on the puck there, then maybe it's a non right non issue. Uh, you know, my thing is the calls are the calls. You know that it, it, some go with you, some go against you. But how big was it to kill that four on three, Mike? Yeah, and they and they really suffocated it. Yeah, uh, it, no shots. It wasn't. Well, I think they got a couple, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't shooting gallery. Oh no, it was the power play before that. They got Murray no shots standing on, yeah. on his head, type of stuff. Uh, yeah, really good when they needed to be. Yeah. Really good when they needed to be. At the end of the second period, early in the third, and then putting the game away late. Uh, the reward for the Penguins is some time off. 
as they watch uh, the Capitals and Blue Jackets finish things out. Uh, Sidney Crosby's happy for that, but he said the main objective yesterday wasn't earning some extra time off. It was getting to the second round. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think we were thinking about much more than just trying to close it out just because, you know, the more, uh, you know, they hang around and, you know, you cut that one game, anything happened. and felt like we did a lot of good things last game. Just need to build off of that, but uh, they competed hard, and you know we needed, uh, you know, we needed a full sixty today to, to find a way to win. Randall, I'm with you on the uh, alleged uh, inspirational the, factor yeah, of Ke- uh, Kessel. Did... I, I think that was Phil Kessel's first career roughing penalty. <laughs> Not sure. I have to look that up. That's uh, why it was monumental. Yeah, it was monumentally stupid. Because you're trying to protect the one-goal lead and guys are going to get hit and you can't just lose your mind and chase a guy down and and end up in the box. But it seems like everybody's trying to create this narrative that that inspired the team. and I really didn't think it did. I think that's Pierre trying to sell Canada on him being a Canadian again. Really, I, I don't get I mean, it. Pierre went out of his way to say that Giroux made a clean hit on Hagelin. And it it Uh, looked like he launched to me. It wasn't the worst hit I ever saw. It might have been a tiny bit late yes uh but a play you've seen not called many times many and it's times. postseason hockey yeah yep uh but in trying to manufacture this kessel inspired the troops narrative like it was uh max talbot skating off the ice after fighting carcillo that's just not what it was i don't think max talbot necessarily inspired the troops but that's another argument now yeah we had that argument at the time but yeah. yeah i was at that game they were playing really well they were losing but they were playing really well they were in control and then he got, he didn't win the fight, right? No, but he he fought the big guy. But he guy. fought the big guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that notwithstanding, it didn't matter. They killed the penalty. Yeah. They, and then they let up a goal right after that. Uh, they, they go down 4-2. But then, Mikey, you know, Hornquist atones for the giveaway. Yes. Gensel gets his Which, first. Which, to his credit, he was admittedly focused on doing. He knew what he had done. Gensel gets his first of four in a row. Tremendous effort by Gensel to keep the puck in the zone to begin with, and then he got some help from uh, Horny on the wall. And... Great thing to me about those four goals, though, wasn't a lot of uh, end-to-end, right? It wasn't a lot of dangling through traffic. He, he was playing the game the right way, going to the right spots, as uh, Edzo was emphasizing on the broadcast. Strong hand on the stick, being ready for the passes, just – Playing smart and playing hard and going to the areas where you need to go to. Yeah. Sometimes you get rewarded. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back. More on the the Pens' big win yesterday, but also the Flyers' fans' meltdown at the end of the game. <laughs> it's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, along with Mike Pursuta and Bill Crawford. Pens win 8-5 in Philadelphia, close out the Flyers' season at home. Much to the chagrin of Flyers' fans who... Uh, they were chagrined. Oh, a lot of chagrinning. They, they threw uh, beers and anything they could get their hands on onto the ice after the rust goal, which clinched it, which was the uh, the empty netter there at the end. Pierre was going crazy. Pierre, Pierre was, I thought, was a little fearful for his safety. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, look, He was it, in a combat zone. It's not unlike Pierre to uh, maybe uh, embellish the situation a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it gets out of hand. Somebody better give him a brain bucket for the next one. Uh, yeah, because he was saying, just watch it. There's heavy heavy artillery flying all over. Uh, Pierre, very worried, of course. 
for everybody there down on the ice, and uh, in particular Penguins fans, or Penguins players, rather, as they were <laughs> celebrating the big win. Well, the, the beers came raining down. That's not an unusual thing in Philadelphia. Here was uh, what it sounded like. People get hurt, both York players and the visitors here. Throw them right out of the rink. Just watch it. There's heavy artillery flying all over down there. Beer cans, everything. Oh, my goodness. You just got to watch it. it. Players are huddling here. So report those people and throw them right yeah, out. Absolutely. And not, you enough, what, not enough security, obviously. But. Yeah, well, you never can have enough security in Philadelphia. No, you got to close that whole place down. Um, <laughs> Schultz might have got away with a little stab in the back there as uh, that was all happening. But that's not the first time this has happened in Philadelphia. They're used to it. Uh, PA announcer Lou Nolan has to scold the fans frequently. This is from a game a couple of years ago against Washington. Okay, those of you that have been thrown, have been done it now. Two-minute bench fire for the Flyers for delay of the game. On 14 minutes, 58 seconds. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah. You've done it now. Yeah. And they're cheering. <laughs> Way to go. These Morons. people eat horse crap when they win. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? So, I'll tell you, one of the early memorable experiences of my life was sitting in a 700 level of vet stadium for an Eagles Dallas game when I was in like seventh grade. And I thought I knew what was going on. <laughs> wow. Was that an education? Josh Yoey asked Sid about the beers being thrown down at him. And Sid's quote was those things were full. What a waste. Yeah. I wonder what they were full with. Uh, you think they, they peed in their in the beers and throw them down. I, I don't, would, if you're that much of a moron that you're going to throw a beer, a full beer, would you save one the entire period just in case you? No, might so those need to beers throw are it? like they're not twelve ounces. You know they're mortar shells. Those things are so big you can end up with ten ounces of beer in them. You know, and just still, leftovers. Yeah, because you slow down. Yeah, because you Cause, slowed down because you're you don't hammered. Have the game like you used to have. Yeah, all of that. There's got to be a significant amount. In them for them to travel the distance that I they think, traveled. I, I think, think Flyers fans are capable of being animals. I don't think they peed in beer cans and threw them down on the ice. I think they're. Oh, I, they're I, not, I think you I can believe that. There's no I can way they're peeing in cans in sitting in their seats, like peeing in cans. Like, well, I tell you what, if they get an empty netter here, I'm throwing this on the ice. That's just. I, I refuse to believe that. Okay. Just a theory. Oh, I, I can I, believe it. I have no proof, but. Uh, and actually, I'm going to start spreading that either way. That's definitely <laughs> what they did. That's what I'm telling people. I'm just glad uh, Schultz didn't pick one up and chug it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Walking on sunshine. Oh, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flyers, uh, Sean Couturier, uh, torn MCL last two games. How about how tough these guys are? I don't know if you guys heard this. Patrick Hornquist died in this series. I wasn't sure of that. And yeah. came back to no, finish. No kidding. He found yeah, a way to resurrect himself. <laughs> found a way to breathe. <laughs> he missed three days when he came back. Yeah. All right, so now the Pens get to rest. And who knows how um, significant the lower body injury is for Gino. But, uh, it's got to be an ankle, right? We, we I have were, no idea. We were speculating when he came back in game five that 
we mean the press box right. chatter. He'd probably be able to finish the game, and then as soon as he took his skate off, it was going to blow up like the Goodyear blimp, and hmm. he would have to deal with it then. But well, that's, that's more speculation. And he may have all had, the injuries are day to day, by the way, according to Mike Sullivan. Well, as is often re- repeated, we we all are. Yeah. Hagelin is the one I want to see what's going with him. I would imagine that a uh, little bit of time will do him good. But and that looked rough. He might speak less than he already doesn't. Yeah, he he showed up in that series. He was oh, he was huge, big time. really good, especially on the PK. All right, so we avoid this forecheck, the the indignity of being drubbed by the Flyers, who yeah. probably didn't even deserve the postseason berth. They well, now we got stumbled ask, into it, I should say. Crawford said all he wanted was to not lose to Philly, but now he's looking at Washington or Columbus. Last year, I just Can't didn't want to lose. Can't lose to either one of them either, right? right. <laughs> Last year, it was the Caps. I just wanted to beat the Caps, and I was happy with it. We defended the, you know, the Cup. I didn't expect two in a row. If we got uh, past the Caps, I was happy just to squash their season. And I did, like you, maybe lower the bar mm-hmm. to now that was... Now I'm happy. It's all gravy for me from here on out. I just couldn't have uh, been able to abide losing to the Flyers. Yeah, but you got at least one more round, right? You can't, Mike, you recalibrate. Yes. You're yeah. Not, you're right. not going to be happy. Now if they don't I win. won't this be happy. This is my point, right. though. Yeah, it, it, that works for the first round that you're in, but then you're in a different situation. You're like, well, we can't lose to the Caps. <laughs> right. No, I know. It's and, Bill, and I hate the Blue Jackets. So didn't we extrapolate that out that they couldn't? Afford to lose to the Bruins either because there's a lot of Patriots fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. For the Bruins. Oh, yeah can't lose to another Boston team. And then if you get to the final, well, you, you can't, can't lose the can't final. Lose the cup. Yeah. Buckle can't up, lose baby. Flurry. Jay Caulfield telestrates his way through the 815 segment here coming up. You can't radio straight, can you? Jay finds a way. Yeah. Jason Mackey from the Post. Ask him about my theory. He's from Philly. Eight forty-five. No, I want to ask him a lot about that. But but peeing in the, in yeah. the beer. There's no way. Colby Armstrong nine fifteen. I'm a believer. No, I'll Mike. ask him. But there's I am no a way. believer. No way they I'm do. Tell you, Colby Armstrong nine fifteen. Where's the forensics? <laughs> CSI Philadelphia. Health department officials say a Bridgeville movie theater has been cited for mouse droppings. They say were too numerous to count. <laughs> Maybe it's the popcorn kernels yeah. again. Oh, no. I mean, the popcorn have, they, kernels. have they checked that out? I don't know. Maybe this they got a new inspector who's just like, I he mean, can't count past 10. They do serve uh, popcorn at the theater. Man, that's the movie theater I go to. Yeah, you were just bra- no bragging about that. there's nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> there's mouse turds everywhere. Dad, we need more like, popcorn. I just got you a big bag. <laughs> it's all gone. Uh. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Val Porter with your news right now. On the way for you, Jay Caulfield, 815 Talking Penguins Hockey. Awesome. Pens eliminate the Flyers yesterday. Gensel with four goals. This was the fourth. Ends up scoring again. Right back on the attack, and they're doing it all. It is Gensel again. Hallelujah, Hollywood. Can you believe what's going on here? Jay Gensel has registered his fourth goal. He's set up by Hornquist, and the Penguins <laughs> <laughs> have cashed in again. I relate to Borky there because that's all I was doing. <laughs> I was just laughing at my house. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was laughing like a maniac by myself. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I was a little scared when they got that fifth goal, though. There's three minutes left. They got a two-goal lead. They're pulling the goalie. Me too. It's like, oh, man. And Murray was shaky as it was. Oh my so god! So that, that made me That's nervous. Plenty of time to score 
two or three goals. Yeah, the girls did. You would have had to do to win. The girls came in the living room, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the <laughs> longest three minutes of my life." They, and Kennedy was like, "There's nothing happening." And I was like, there's so much happening. It's all happening. <laughs> Schultz Get out of here. Straight cross check somebody in the back with like a minute left. And I thought if they called that, I was going to you oh, know, yeah. I'll be able to make some diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> clenching a little, clenching, buddy. a little tight. A little tight. Yeah. All right. Jay Caulfield on the way. 815. Val's got a news update for you now on DVE. What's up? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. 11. It's 51 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Channel 11 News on Fox 53 weeknights at 10. Olympic gymnast Michaela Maroney said she reported sexual abuse by the team doctor seven years ago. USA Gymnastics apparently ignored her complaint. She told her harrowing story last night on Dateline NBC. She was just 13 years old when the former USA Gymnastics doctor touched her inappropriately for the first time. Two years later, she summoned the courage to report his actions. Michaela recalled in the TV interview how Larry Nasser attacked her in a Tokyo hotel during a competition, saying, quote, This was not treatment. I was being abused. I was bawling, naked on a bed, him on top of me. It was escalating, end quote. The next day, Michaela said she told her USA Gymnastics coach, who did not even respond to her complaint, USA Gymnastics said they, quote, had no knowledge of the conversation. New rules governing the Internet are supposed to kick in today, but may be delayed. Earlier this year, the FCC voted to repeal Obama-era rules on net neutrality. That would give Internet service providers the right to slow or block traffic on certain websites or charge fees for quicker delivery of some content. Since then, nearly two dozen state attorneys general have filed suit to block the FCC rules change. Meantime, new laws to establish net neutrality rules have been approved or are being considered in some states. There are also some moves in Congress to restore the federal rule on net neutrality. The oldest uh, world's oldest person has died again. No. I feel like last week the world's oldest person died. Yeah. Well, I it's think like that's being... going to happen a lot. <laughs> like being number two in Al-Qaeda. Very tenuous <laughs> situation to be in. Nabi Tajimi, 117 years old. Isn't oh, that the guy my. that had five goals in a row for Montreal in 1910? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guinness had been working to verify that uh, she was the oldest person on the planet after 117-year-old Jamaican Violet Brown died last year. Jamaican Violet Brown sounds like a great drink. (laughs) (laughs) So. 117. That would be awful. (laughs) Val Val does not want to live long. Not that long. Oh, 117? Yeah, but if you have, like, your faculties and you can have cocktails and stuff. What if you you can still walk? Right. And like, you know, talk. Because some of those people are like, yeah, I have a one whiskey a day and, uh, you know, go for a walk. And I, I can't do the have one whiskey puzzle. a day now. I know. You're lucky. <laughs> you are lucky. No, I'm not. You are. You'll be, you're, you're going to live. I'll live to be 117. Yeah, but you'll like have all your, uh, you know, faculties. Everything will you'll work. You'll have a full liver. Yeah. Uh, did your relationship start off with a less than stellar role in the hay? Well, you are not alone. A new study found 60% of Americans said they'd started off a relationship with terrible sex. <laughs> that said, only 30% said they would end things with someone if the sex wasn't good the first time. The study also found most people will tolerate about four bad sexual in- experiences before they call it quits. Listen, I feel bad about what's happened tonight. I feel awful, in fact, <laughs> and I want to make it up to you. Please allow me to do that. Three several more times. More times. <laughs> Give me three more chances. <laughs> yeah. I know there's three strikes in baseball. 
Oh, that second time wasn't good either. You know what? I'm off to a rocky start. I'm in a little <laughs> bit of a slump. I'm a late bloomer. But I'm going to keep getting in the box. Also, that's whoa. a... Whoa! Hockey <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> um, no, that's... Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a statistic that applies only to, to guys. Or to girls, rather. Like, four times. Guys would put up with guys bad are like, sex. Hey, but yeah. It's, it's great every sex. time for us. Right, it's the pizza analogy. Yeah. More proof that dogs are pretty awesome. Last week, a three-year-old girl in Australia became lost near her grandparents' house. She wandered off with a family dog. Fortunately, uh, she was missing overnight. There was a massive search and rescue effort. Two helicopters joined in. Nobody could find her. Her grandmother found her about two miles from the house about 16 hours after she had gone missing. And she was fine. And the reason was... Her 17-year-old deaf and partially blind dog, Max, stayed by her side and protected her and kept her warm. Oh, my. What a story. The little girl was found. She acted like, it was no big deal. I just laid down beside Max and we took a nap. Yeah, but he was, like, blind and... Yeah, partially blind and and deaf. deaf. 17. Well, maybe, you know, maybe the dog report on this one is, did you hear that great story about how that human stayed with that dog the whole night? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that yeah. poor deaf dog who was uh, lost yeah. there. Deaf yeah. blind dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No chance to survive. Who was really helping who there? <laughs> Today is National Picnic Day, which is weird on a Monday, but I guess it's the date, you know. But it might be a good day for a picnic. You can at least go outside on at lunch hour and have a picnic. Mondays are not good for picnics. A new survey asked 1,000 Americans to name their favorite picnic foods. This is a horrible list, by the way. Number one was sandwiches. What? The dog wet the picnic basket. (laughs) (laughs) Number two is fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Some cold fried chicken. I don't think I've ever gone to a picnic where there was chicken. Fried chicken. Oh, yeah. it's, It's great. It's tremendous. After that, it's watermelon, potato salad, chips and dip, deviled eggs. It's yeah. Joey O'Connell's eggs. favorite yeah. uh, picnic dish. It's an all-season food, too. Bill. Yeah. Pasta salad, <laughs> fruit salad, pie, and baked beans was number one. Where are the hamburgers and hot dogs? Yeah. Not not even in the top ten? Because it's a picnic. That's a picnic. picnic. Nah, you know, that's a grill. That's grilling out. A pic- you, a pic- you don't have hamburgers and hot dogs when you go on a picnic? Like a picnic basket? No, like you go and you put out the table, you <laughs> have the Randy's grill. Randy's holding a picnic basket right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready to go on a picnic. I'm miming this whole scenario. <laughs> I'm saying you're not going to be carrying around a picnic basket with, you How know, many? that's a good call. Pre-made hot dogs. Yeah. So you, you, when you go on a picnic, it's only in a picnic I basket. I don't go on park. picnics. <laughs> I've never been on a picnic. I don't picnic either. I fantasized about doing it with the family, but right. then I feel like in practice it'd be a total nightmare. We like, used to- the closest thing has been like uh, going to Giant Eagle, putting sandwiches in a bag and like, you know. <laughs> eating on the tailgate. Eating on the tailgate of my car. That's, yeah. that's a picnic. See, I'm thinking well, then like I've never been on everything picnic. has to be pre-made for a picnic. Yeah. And a and a cookout is like you're making the things on location, but only the hamburgers and hot dogs. You're not making the macaroni salad and all that there. True. Okay. Fair enough. But who who's who's taking like a ham salad on a picnic? I'll tell you what. I need a ham salad and a picnic. A ham salad. I'm a big you fan mean of ham salad. Ha- a ham salad sandwich. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I've never, like, my my, I, my family must be weird. We've never made sandwiches to take on a picnic. I've we, never been we on always, a picnic. We always 
cooked on the grill, hamburgers and hot dogs. That's a cookout. Then we had an on-the-road cookout all the yeah, time. That's what it is. We're Did you put a blanket down? A classification issue. No, here. and sit in the grass. No, we had a picnic table in the cookout. park. Cookout. You want to sit. You know, you you want to have a picnic, but then you get there, you put the blanket out. One of the kids has you know fruit on their sleeve or something, and all of a sudden there's a thousand bees on your blanket. <laughs> Ruined. Yeah, we've never had a grass picnic. I have. It's awesome. <laughs> I think we're talking about two different things. That's cool. <laughs> Leonard Skinner is uh, planning to play its farewell concert in the city where the band was formed over the weekend. The Southern Rock Icons added one more date to their Last of the Street Survivors farewell tour, a September 2nd show in Jacksonville, Florida. Kid Rock and country star Jason Aldean are scheduled as opening acts, and uh, other acts will be announced soon. They'll play August 25th at Key Bank Pavilion, and according to their website, the lineup is the Marshall Tucker Band 38 Special Hank Williams Jr. and Skinnerd. So that should be quite a show. Finally, this is a weird story. An actress from the show Smallville could be facing prison time for her alleged involvement in a sex trafficking case. Allison Mack was arrested in New York City on Friday and indicted on sex trafficking and forced labor conspiracy charges. She supposedly recu- recruited women for Nexium, which is authorities say was passed off as a self-help group but was really an organization that turned women into sex slaves. The leader of the alleged Whoa. cult was also arrested, and he and Matt could both repeat, uh, reportedly face a minimum of 15 years behind bars. I don't know who this girl is, but she was on that show no. for 10 years. I've seen that story every time I've logged on to social media for yep. the last four days. And refused yeah. to read it. No, I don't care about it at <laughs> like, all. I was like, the like, weather's too nice. I don't no, know who this woman is. is. Yeah. I feel bad for the people. Yeah. and you know, Nobody should be a sex slave, but... I'm going outside. No, that's how inundated with salacious stories we are. It used to be when you saw Hollywood starlet in sex cult, you'd be interested to click I'd on that link. probably read on it, right. yeah. Now, it's just, dude, more interesting things are happening the in the White House, yeah. <laughs> also, if we knew who she was. No idea who she was. Don't yeah. even, uh, Smallville. If it was Angelina thought, Jolie, maybe. I thought that show got canceled, so... If we're it did. It was, about, uh, but it was on for ten years. Who's the uh, the chick from X Files? Jillian oh, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if she's involved, not yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, that's true. You know, more high profile person, right? Maybe one of the uh, the doctors from uh, uh, what's the one with McDreamy? Gray. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, well, Grey's you know Anatomy. that the guy that was leading the sex cult was giving that same talk to her. Like, look, you got to get some more high-profile yeah. high sex cult. We culture. need you, you need to more up your credits. Because nobody's going to care about this place if we don't get some A-list cult sex going on Have you on been here. auditioning? <laughs> get out there. It's pilot season. Uh, do we have Jay on the line? We do. You can finish. Okay. Uh, forecast today, partly cloudy near 70 for the high. It's 52 at DBE. Jay Caulfield joining us right now from AT&T Sportsnet. What's up, man? How are you, Jay? Hi, guys. How are you? Long time no talk, man. Good to to, uh, speak with you this morning. I know. Nice to meet you. And Val, nice to speak to you, too. You, too, Jay. Jay, you're a Philadelphia guy. You're born in uh, Philly. Let's get right to (laughs) it, right? Yes, I am. All right. So (laughs) can I give them my theory? Yeah. The the beer cans that were raining down on the ice at the end of the game. Jay, like you, I am from Philadelphia. (laughs) I know. So (laughs) my theory is 4-4 going into the third period. Nobody is saving a full beer just in case I have to throw it if things go bad at the end of the game. So I think those cans were filled with something other than beer. Your thoughts? I totally agree. I do agree with that. Oh. I, agree with that. I knew it. Oh, my God. Well, I'm a believer. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Oh, that's awful. Good man, Jay. So you think they were artificially... Uh, it was recycled beer. Re- refilling that beer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the, the all the urinals were uh, Sidney Crosby, whatever they were doing, which which I'm not sure why they think any of that works. I still have to say that. I'm not sure why they think getting on Sidney Crosby think where it hasn't worked in years, and it will never work. It just makes him better, but... They just come across. It's amazing to me the uh, how you, they can't leave a series without something being you know said about the Philly fans. It's amazing. To me. It's never going to change either. I don't think. No, because they have more fun being miserable, don't you think? <laughs> I, I do, and especially of all things that take place, they'll never get over the play by Latang against Couturier on the wall. I think they'll just, they'll just never get over that. It'll be a there'll be some conspiracy that it was definitely a trip and it should have been a trip mm-hmm. and. Uh, but we know, but that's the way it went. Yes, that was, uh, I'm sure, tough for them to take. What did you think of that? What was your uh, take on that play? Did you think that he, he tripped him? Did he get the puck? Well, he got the puck. He did get the puck. I'm not sure. The only thing I would say, I'm not sure the ref saw it in fast motion. I don't know how in, in fast motion. I don't know how that. If he picked that up, then good for him. But uh, when you see it in slow motion, Latang does get the puck first. So uh, that's that's the way it goes. If you ask me, I mean that's that's. Uh, it's a great play by him, and he was on the puck, and they got kind of caught off guard. What about the Drew hit on Haglin? You know, that's a really – I mean, listen, I, I, I'm saying if that, was, if that was a Pittsburgh Penguin making a hit, I would go and say, hey, that's a, that's a great hit. I mean, the only thing I have to say, I didn't get enough good views of it. He didn't – you know, when a player makes a hit and his skates are still on the ice, that's one thing. And a lot of times when they go through the body or through a hit, they might come up out of their skates off the ice a little bit then. I still think it was maybe a step. I think it's a step late. It could mm-hmm. be late and targeting the head or the things that they could look could look at for it. Uh, but again, I didn't get enough views to see it to, to have a real good opinion. But if if I was watching that and, and Hornquist maybe picked off one of their players like that, I would have uh, I would have said that's a great hit. You know what I mean? I but but in the game t- today, that might that's borderline late and targeting the head. Mm-hmm. But it's the borderline late part. It's it's a non-call that we've seen many times. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, it's part. That's just in my opinion, and I know that there might be a lot of people that disagree. In my opinion, there is that's still part of the game of hockey a little bit. That's still part of the game. It's he picked him off. He came around the net, and uh, again, I think the key you have to watch when it, just because a guy comes off the ice after the hit. It doesn't mean he. You know, if a guy, you'll see a guy who really leaves his feet and gets an elbow up, whatever it was. I didn't see that in that. He's on his on the ice and then goes through the body. Then then will come up, uh, but that's still a tough one for a lot of. Anytime we see a, a player go down, especially Carl Hagelin, uh, nobody's going to like that. And, but uh, that's still part of the game. And I don't think that's that's. I don't think some of those things should be taken out of out of the game of hockey, if you ask me. Jay, when they picked up Derek Broussard, one of the reasons I thought that was a good idea was as Crosby or Malkin insurance. In case yep. something would happen, then you have a guy you can put up on your top two lines. Mike Sullivan's faced with a scenario yesterday where he does not have Evgeny Malkin available, and he turns to Riley Shane. Yeah, yeah. What kind of feel does this guy have for his team? Yeah, I know. You know, I think. I think first of all, if they felt the night before, like that that the Broussard line was one of the best with Rust and Sherry. So they, in good thinking, in my opinion, in my my feel too, is that. Hey, he kept that line the same. Riley Shane gets an opportunity to step up into that second role, a second line role, and he does an outstanding job. Who I thought he was doing a great job before even any trades were made for Derek Broussard. So, no matter who he seems to play with, he has he does a great job, and I think all the wingers are comfortable. And 
and and uh, again showing even more you know how valuable he is. So, yep, for Mike Sullivan, just kind of keep that the same and and make that big statement about Shea and being up on the second line and and the way it is perceived to the public. I see inside the locker room, everybody knows they had that great role, whatever it is, one, two, three, and then Carter Rowney coming back in. I think it's all good, but Mike Sullivan certainly does have that great feel for his team where they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So uh, he's got great talent, but he also has a great, great uh, feel for uh, the lineup, the players, who's performing, who's not, and when to give somebody a great look. And I think part of that is these guys invariably perform for him. Now, they have good players. you got to have players. But yep, yep. What is it about him, do you suspect, that uh, – allows him to reach these guys the way he has, which so far is nine straight playoff series wins. Well, I think it's accountability. I think his, his, uh, the way he is on the, on the bench, uh, the, what he demands of a players, and then only the guys that are inside that locker room know how deep that, that will go. Uh, but I think if you have a guy that if you see, for example, maybe Brian Russ, if he took a penalty in the first game or two and, didn't, and, and Mike Sullivan doesn't like that, and how, what a performer Brian Russ is, and still maybe making, you know, holding him accountable and saying, wait, we don't want these penalties in the offensive zone. Make him go 200 feet. Don't create it down, you know, down that situation. Don't give him a penalty there. I think, I think he holds guys accountable. He, he demands it. He has the respect. And uh, obviously a guy who's won two cups in a row. And, but he almost, he almost, the, from the moment he came, got behind the bench, it's, uh, he's had that, uh, that feel. And the players have reacted to it and the team has responded. And like you said, you have to have good players. But look at yesterday, Matt Murray. They've got, you know, the Flyers score four goals. They're up 4-2. It didn't, didn't stop the Penguins. And I, and I think all the fans, everybody has the same feel. He's not, they're not going away ever. So uh, I don't know what lead is safe against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they continue to prove, like, night in and night out, that uh, they can come back in these situations. What did you think about the narrative that Pierre and those guys were creating that Kessel confronting Drew after the Hagelin hit inspired the team. It didn't look like he did a whole lot. Did you think that really played into anything uh, in uh, helping the team I, turn around a little bit? I don't think. I don't think so. I, mean, I didn't me, think I, so either. All right. Yeah, I, I just you know what I like the part that I like. I'm not saying I don't mind what I'm not saying anything about what the, you know guys. I, what Kessel did, that's fine. That's great. Right. I mean that that part's great. I like when you see. Gensel, Latang, everybody going after Drew all at one time. I mean, yeah. I, you know, those kind of things. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought what Tesla did, that's, that part's great. I thought the guys all going after him, everybody taking a shot at him whenever they could. I like that. That's the part that I thought was more impactful. Within the and, context uh, of the game. Right, yeah. right, right. I, I don't know what, to me, I thought Pierre was just trying to, when I heard him talking about that too, I thought he was just trying to make something way more out yeah. of him. Of that situation, I thought what happened though. I didn't think. Well, I didn't think Giroux. Uh, they needed him to be better as this was going down the line when it was still close, and I don't think he was there to do that. So well, I think the guys going after him every opportunity was the was the factor that was more important to me. So going forward, whether it's Columbus or whether it's the Capitals, what do the Penguins need to improve most? I, you know, I, I think now you're going to go against. Uh, to me, I mean, if, and, and we all—if you watch the Flyers through four games, they weren't really battling, and they started to battle. I think you're going to get—I think you're going to get if Washington comes out of it. Uh, now you got talent. You get there's a mix. There's more talent on the Washington roster than what the, the Philadelphia Flyers posed out there. Even though there's a number of players that were out there, the Giroux, they had great seasons. The Washington Capitals, from Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. I don't know if that Burakovsky is coming back. I think I mean, he's out. TJ, yeah, TJ Oshie. I mean, look, they have. They have, there's this talent pool there, and nobody gave them a chance. So they're under the radar. So it's not like they're coming, even though they had a great season, they'd have home ice. 
Nobody still gave them the look that they've had a face over the last couple of years. So that would be one thing. You're matching talent for talent, so you cannot afford to have those lulls where you're turning it over inside your own zone or not getting it out or not getting it deep to get on the forecheck. That'll haunt you against a team like Washington. And then in Columbus, if it's Columbus, that Panarin has taken that team to a different level. Ian Cole going to Columbus put that team in a different perspective. They've been able to adjust their deep pairings. They, they continuously, they have four lines that come at you and work hard that have more skill than Philly had. So, and their D, their blue line. And they've got goaltenders that, you know, but I, I, you know, the goaltenders can win a series for them. Either Holpe now, who's back finding his form, and Bobrovsky, they can steal series, but the, still the Penguins have that way of breaking down any goaltender. But to me, that's what you face. You can't make those same turnovers and, or same mistakes or have to get stuck in your own zone against Washington or Columbus. You'll pay more than Philly made them pay. Jay Caulfield from AT&T Sportsnet and 11 on the ice. Jay, thanks so much for your time this morning. Great talking to you, man. Uh, great to talk to you guys, too. You have a good one. Take care. Okay, we'll see you. Jay Caulfield there. Theory confirmed. I knew it. I knew it. I, here's here's the only reason I think it didn't happen. Time will tell if that's what went down. Because if people were actually urinating in beers and throwing them on the ice, somebody took pictures of that and it'll end up on Barstool. Yeah, that's probably pretty good theory. So if it doesn't end up on one of those social media sites, whether it's Barstool, Deadspin, or take a pic. Because uh, I'm guessing not all of them took the trouble to go into the men's room and load up the beer and then... Oh, no, it would be right there, yeah. And I just don't see that happening. I just don't. But I don't put anything past those fans. Hard to do that. Nothing. All right, when we come back, Mike, more on yesterday's win for the Penguins. They eliminate the Flyers. And now it's the waiting game. Hopefully Geno comes back healthy or healthy enough. Same with Hagelin. And the game doesn't start until next Sunday. Is it Sunday, the next series? Or is it dependent on when this series ends? What if the Caps wrap it up tonight? Well, what about the other series? Does it matter how long it goes? Everything's done. I mean, not the the Capitals, the Er the Boston. Everything's done except the two in the East. Washington, um, Columbus, and Boston, Toronto. Yeah. I'm not sure how they do it now, to be honest with you. It used to be the only series that could start early was the Stanley Cup Final. Because there were no more considerations. They didn't didn't want them getting out of order and having one team wait around for a week and a half. Uh, I think that's still the case, but I, full disclosure, I'm not sure. All right. Well, we'll check on it. When we come back, Mike Pursuit, more on yesterday's big win for the Penguins, the huge day for Gensel. Also, Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette, 845. Colby Armstrong, 915. The Pens win. And now it's on to, well, either Columbus or the Caps. Either way, well, now. You'd want it to be the Caps, would you not, just yes. for the historical implications? Yeah. They're our Apollo Creed. Well, no, because we became friends with him. I I don't don't think there's a competitive advantage one way or another. I think Washington's just a little more talented still, but Columbus is a little more abrasive and harder to play against. But both teams can bring both of those elements. Both will be a a significantly uh, tougher challenge than Philadelphia. Would be. Well, Columbus has the... the, the uh, sixth man. The fifth line. Fifth line. <laughs> a cannon's pretty yeah. cool. Equal driving distance to both. Easy to go to away games. Yeah. There you now, go. When we come back, Mike Pursuta. Don't forget, DVE announced the big Halloween party with Alice Cooper this year, Friday, October 26th. Stage AE tickets on sale Friday and pre-sale Thursday, April 26th, uh, 10 a.m. And the password there is NORTH.
So pretty cool Halloween party for you for DVE this year. Alice Cooper. Uh, DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And Gensel's four goals lead the Penguins past the Flyers in Game 6. 8-5 to five, uh, Penguins over the Flyers in Game 6. Penguins win it in 6. Sports this hour brought to you by BobbyRayhall.com. Before we get to Jake Gensel's historic afternoon, I wanted to pick up where we left off with Jake Caulfield uh, okay. and talk about Mike Sullivan a little bit. I I am still, the the putting Riley uh, Shane up on the second line is not a move I would have made. I thought that Broussard was here in part to be that guy, and he wasn't. And Pierre talked about it a little bit at the start of the broadcast, and he said that he thought that the Broussard Sherry Rust line had been the Penguins' best line in Game Five, and there's some merit to that. So I, I, I get, you know, you know, if you have a hole, plug it once. Don't create another hole to fix the first one. Uh, but that's still that is that is a intuitive move, I would say. But do you think maybe the success of the HBK line in the past is what has led him to, to sort of think the importance of fortifying that third line? and how that can really be something that pays dividends in the future. He strikes me as a guy who's willing to make a move early in series that will pay off later down the road. Yeah, I, I, I get a little of that, but I still don't think you try to keep a fortified third line at the expense of your best possible second line. I just think mm-hmm. he, I think it's way deeper than one thing. or He just has a feel for these guys, and you know he talks to them. They, they, he watches them practice. He watches them play, and he, he, he knows how to push these guys' buttons, and, and he makes these changes uh, – in game sometimes, or what he does with his pairings, or how he, you know, when when he changes the lines, when he does not, from game to game or period to period, he, he, it's it's remarkable to me how often his decisions turn out to be the right decisions, and that includes yesterday. I didn't pick this up on TV, but uh, Mike Sullivan pretty forthcoming after the game yesterday that when the Flyers made it four to two on that uh, baby dropping soft goal that uh, <laughs> Lawton scored on Matt Murray. The Penguins actually thought about pulling Matt Murray. They thought about it, but they didn't do it. Here's Sullivan talking about that. We were contemplating on the bench whether whether to make a goalie change, um, and uh, and I, I, my gut was telling me to stay with Matt. That 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 he's such a battler, and uh, you know some of the goals. It was it was it was a crazy game in that regard. The way some of the goals were scored. So it was. Um, we talked. We did talk about it on the bench, to, just to, just to try to change the momentum at that particular time. And so um, I was I was considering it, but then I my gut was telling me to stay with Matt, and I'm glad I did because he made some big saves in the third. He's he's not a hundred percent transparent. No coach is, but that's amazingly forthcoming to me that he would acknowledge that. And he knows that Murray can hear that and not be affected by it mm-hmm. in any way. Because he's basically saying, "I had a, I, I got my, I got my goalies back. I know he's a battler." Yes, and he also admit, I, I, I went with my gut. I mean, if, it was an that, amazing saucer pass by Couturier, but if you can't let a jabroni score from the parking lot, you no, nah, that was the Lawton goal. We've seen Lawton from three feet away with an open net. He can't do it. Uh, I, who should go with their gut if not the coach every once in a while? Right? He's got to trust that. Mm-hmm. And he does. And that, uh, Unless it's wrong, and then everybody kills him for well, it. Well, yeah, then you, then you take the heat. But uh, 
That's nine straight playoff series wins for this guy. He's never lost a playoff series as the Penguins head coach. I'm I'm in the business to question these people. I can't question this guy until he loses a playoff series. (laughs) I can't do it. Now, maybe I'll do it right after he finally does it, whenever that happens. But, uh, you know, until further notice, what what he does is the right thing to do. Right? It's a a results-driven deal, isn't it? Yeah, look, he's really had the Midas touch so far. It's hard to argue with anything that he's done. The only thing that I've even found peculiar about his coaching has been w- what he did with Ian Cole this year. I, 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 I just, found that peculiar as well, but hadn't heard him yet. Nope. It might next round. And it's interesting you brought that up because I thought as the series progressed, the Penguins defended the slot worse. They, they weren't as good at it late as they were early, as evidenced by that garbage first goal yesterday. Garbage. But uh, certainly uh, Columbus can can go to the net, and the Caps can go to the net. Did you think they, as the, the game went on, did a bo- better job of protecting Murray, though? Hmm? Do you think they, as the game went on, did Yesterday, a better job? Yeah. I thought they had, did a better job having the puck. I didn't, I didn't think they had a good half-court day yesterday, which they often don't. But they, they their best defense is getting it out quick, like Jay was talking hmm. about, and... Getting going in the Transition. other direction. Go, yeah. Fascinating stuff, and it's only round one. I'm so happy that that series is over. Oh, me too. That would ended on their right eyes. Oh, oh, what a nice Sunday! What a night! Na- I went outside. I played with the family. I'm saying hi go. to the neighbors. Made made my week. Yeah. Nice, lovely Sunday. After that, had they lost, think of just every time you'd have to think about a game seven. That ugh, feeling. Nope. Particularly when you come from 3-1 ahead to game seven. Right. And you just gave it to him. Because Crosby said it last night after the game. Anything can happen in a game in, as, in a one-game series. As they know. Yep. Not under this guy, but good stuff. Uh, on to the next round. Colby Armstrong is going to be joining us. 9-15. Jason Mackey will be on uh, after the commercial break. We'll talk more about yesterday's win and going forward. Sid the Kid. Just an absolute flyer killer. I said yesterday, Mario owns the pens, Sid owns the flyers. That's awesome. And accurate. But Gensel with the big day. Sid's line, though, with six goals, not too shabby. Gensylvania. Insanity. Hey, did you know all you have to do with your smart speaker is say, hey, I want to listen to DVE? Yeah, that's right. Alexa, turn on 102.5 DVE. I think you have Boom. to say WDVE, don't you? I don't know. Say WDVE. Do whatever you got to do. I say, Alexa, play the goal calls from Getzel's four goals yesterday. And maybe Mike Lang will pop up into your Alexa. And the Pens have scored again. Right back on the attack, and they're doing it all. It is Getzel again. Hallelujah, Hollywood. Can you believe what's going on here? Keep that Gensel out of my way when you're making up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Bogart? Uh, it's from the Maltese Falcon. I don't what know. The hell was that? It had to be Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> Jason Mackey, when we come back, you listen to the DV Morning Show anytime using the iHeartRadio app, too. Just search DVE. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Mike Pursuta joining us right now. Jason Mackey from the Post Gazette. Good morning, Jason. How are you, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. 
Who's your, first of all, uh, when the beers came raining down onto the ice there yesterday. The beer cans. The beer cans. Yeah, they came raining down on the ice yesterday. Jay Caulfield uh, uh, and Mike Pursuta think it's quite possible Philly fans were filling them up with alternate volume uh, besides the beer that they probably <laughs> already drank from the can. I'm not so sure uh, if you witnessed anything like that, but did it look as bad in the arena as it did on TV? Yes, it did. And uh, your term for alternate volume I find very... Very, very funny, although, man, I mean, they have bathrooms out there, right? What yeah. Are you, what are you doing? It, it, it was it was ugly. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean, I, I think it's sad and pathetic, and I don't. I can't imagine a scenario like that ever happening in Pittsburgh. If they would, you know, flop to the Capitals or the Blue Jackets next round, I just don't see it happening, and it's, it's just sad that it occurs there. There's been some towels and stuff thrown on the ice uh, at Penguins games. That's different. Yeah, it seems a little innocuous. Fl- full beers flying through the air with the potential to hurt somebody. See, I th- I think, uh, Jason, that they were honoring Gensel there with the because uh, he had the Labatt trick, which is four goals. <laughs> they, they were just showering him. Yeah. Right. Honoring. Yeah. Honoring young I Jake. I question the intelligence of somebody who's peeing in a beer can. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Think about that. I mean, that, that's probably not the wisest move. Well, unless you want to throw it and you need some ballast to get it to get the trajectory you're looking for, you're or de- you're yeah. tailgating for a Kenny Chesney concert. It's a good heaving weight. <laughs> I guess so. I, I wouldn't do it personally, but no, yeah. disgusting to contemplate yeah. no matter what. But uh, no, it's kind of like a lawn dart. You have to have some weight in it for it to go a, a distance. <laughs> Right, because God forbid you just hang on to the can. Right, and not throw it on the ice. <laughs> well, that's not an option. Well, uh, hang on to your can because we're either playing the uh, the Blue Jackets or the uh, the Caps <laughs> coming up here after beating the Flyers. We get to sit down for a couple days and uh, heal up whatever's ailing the lower body injury for uh, Gino, whatever's going on with Hagelin there. But let me ask you this first off. Who's your MVP for the Penguins in that series? Oh, boy. that's. I mean, I guess it's got to be Gensel. Maybe Sid Murray. I mean, that's those are my top three, um, and I just think it's easy, it's easier to sort of look past what Murray did because of how he was in Game Six, and I, I didn't think he was very good. But I don't know. Can we split it three ways and give it to those three? I have a tough time picking one of the three because they all they're they're different moments of dominance. Um, so uh, yeah, those those would be my three. I don't know who I'd pick honestly. Did you think uh, yesterday, would you have said that Latang had a good game? Or are you in the camp of Penguins fans who seem to think all oh, the bad penalties outweighed the three assists? Yeah, I, I was fine with Latang yesterday, although he could have had one more penalty, too. That, that was absolutely a trip. I, I heard his defense of it. I was right next to him when he was saying he was like playing the puck. And, well, you might have been playing the puck, Chris, but you, you took the guy's legs out from under him and he fell down by definition a lot of times that's a trip but i uh, see now um, you're the first person today to say that everybody else we've asked about it has said he got to the puck first and uh you know one-handed it uh, all right i mean i thought that looked like a trip from the no it definitely looked it. like a trip no yeah. doubt about yeah. it I guess I can understand the argument either way, but no, I I, I, I don't think I'm as reactionary on Latang as some people, or maybe reactionary is not the right word. Just, I, I think you have to live with some of the bad to get the good. 
I mean, that's just the way he plays the game. That's right. his emotional level. Sometimes it spills over. I, to me, I want him doing stuff like that, and I'm going to live with some of the mistakes. Um, and, you know, for the three assists, and I, I thought he was actually pretty good by and large this series. I, if, if I'm Mike Sullivan, if I'm coaching this team, I don't want Chris Letang playing a boring game. I don't want him playing 21 minutes a night. I feel like he's at his best when he's kind of at that edge. Were you at all surprised at uh, the way they deployed the line, specifically keeping the Broussard line together and bumping uh, Shea up to the second line? I wasn't, Mike, just because they, they're really high on Riley Shea right now, and I, I think as they should be. Um, he's really developed a lot this season, and I know that Sullivan has been trying to find the right fit for Sherry or for Broussard and to put Sherry and Russ around him. Um, they feel like there's sort of specific ingredients and they need to put it with Derek Broussard. Guys can kind of get the puck. And, um, I, th- I think they sort of regretted not putting Russ with Broussard earlier. So, no, the combination of those things, I think, is why you saw what you saw. And I, I was really impressed with Riley Shane and how how he was just Riley Shane. He didn't try to be Evgeny Malkin. I think a lot of guys you might put in that role and they try to do a bunch of stupid stuff. But Shane was really good at playing within himself and, and not, you know, just not getting out of position. Just playing his game and, and doing it well with, with Kessel and Hagelin. I thought that line was excellent. When you say try to be Malkin and do stupid stuff, do you mean try to overhandle the puck and go one <laughs> on three, or do you mean take a retaliation penalty or take a double minor? Sorry, thank you. I should have clarified that. <laughs> I meant more go one on three. And, and yeah, I thought you did. I just... and cut through the neutral zone, but yeah, I guess you, you want to avoid the third period offensive zone penalty at the worst possible time as well. Would, would you put a, at least in the list of most valuable players for the Penguins, Gudis, since he was kind of doing his uh, Latang impression except without the skill? What in the world was he doing yesterday? I, Brutal. <laughs> between that and him seemingly trying to kill Sean Couturier, does he? Maybe he wants to get out of Philadelphia. I think we're like discounting that idea. Well, that's no way to do it. Taking a bunch of dumb penalties and trying to kill people, they're going to put up a statue. <laughs> Score some goals. They'll get rid of you. <laughs> or stop the puck. He should pretend that he could play goaltender. And I don't know. Maybe it would be more than pretending. If he did well, they'd definitely get rid of him. But. I, I, for the life of me, don't understand what the heck Radko Gudis was doing yesterday. It was great theater, but uh, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. I can't remember a worse performance in a playoff game for a defenseman or for anybody, really, than what he did. Six years to the day that the Flyers eliminated the Penguins in playoffs uh, of 2012, and it was the style of play that we saw yesterday that pervaded that entire series. Uh, up and down, Penguins answer their uh, the, the first goal. They give up pretty quickly. They take a lead. They give up the lead. They give up a two-goal lead. They equalize it before the third period. To you, I mean, all those ups and downs yesterday, what, w- what was the turning point in the game in your eyes? I think it was actually at the beginning of the third period. And of all things, like the, the Phil Kessel uh, taking the puck away from Provorov and and setting up Gensel, you could just sort of feel some belief and stuff turning. And, um, you know, maybe a, a, a one B to that would be 
you got Casey DeSmith warming up in the runway, and we're all kind of going like, what in the world is, is, is he changing right. goaltenders? And we're thinking that Murray sunk, and then Patrick Hornick was scored on like that gorgeous tic-tac-toe play. So uh, to me, it really started to flip around the right way for the Penguins with that Kessel steal and the Gensel goal early in the third, but probably started a little bit late in the second as well. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's, it, it was just so crazy in terms of like, you know, violent momentum swings both ways. You know, there were several periods of that game where I'm just thinking we're coming, we're coming back to Pittsburgh for a game seven. Oh, good Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, but they, they all of a sudden bounced back and, Eventually slayed him in the third. It was it was pretty impressive. Hey Jason, have you gotten back on the road yet? Yeah, we're driving ah. now. We're we're heading back. So it's too late to ask you to stop by Pat's and bring back a couple wit. Sorry, pal. No, can't can't do it. I can get you something nice from like a turnpike rest stop if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate, say, appreciate you. It's just not the same. Yeah. I can't imagine you'd want anything with Wiz from Philly after the conversation <laughs> that you guys just had. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette, thanks so much for your time this morning, man. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, man. Have a good one. Colby Armstrong is going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Val has news when we come back. What's up, Val? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Munhall native Gabby Barrett. She performed on American Idol last night, so we'll hear if she's going to move forward. Your chance at 1000 bucks of work force cash. Moving forward. Coming up, Erg. Those beers are like, they're not 12 ounces, you know, they're mortar shells. Those things are so big, you can end up with 10 ounces of beer in them. You know, it's still leftovers. Yeah. Because you slowed out. Yeah, because you slowed down because you're hammered. Gave like you used to have. Yeah, all of that. There's got to be a significant amount in them for them to travel the distance that I they think, travel. I, I think, think Flyers fans are capable of being animals. I don't think they peed in beer cans and threw them down on the ice. I, I'm just glad uh, Schultz didn't pick one up and chug it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Walking on sunshine. Oh, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. The Penguins win a four-goal performance from Jake Gensel. Sidney Crosby dominates the entire series. And now we wait to find out whether it's the Blue Jackets or the Capitals. We'll face next going forward in the Stanley Cup playoffs in our quest to keep the Cup here for the third straight year. A three-peat. Hasn't been done in, what, 30-some years? It's just beautiful to... to to send the Flyers and all those fans to the golf course. It's just, we, we did our thing. We it, did what we were supposed to do. Yes. And that whole, oh, the Eagles won, Villanova won, it's the year of Philadelphia. No, bum, 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 no, bum. no, that all stops. That all stops now. Uh, congratulations, Bill Crawford. You got bestowed a big award this past Friday night at our friends oh. from Jameson's Army. Uh, this fr- this past Friday night was the uh, mm-hmm. the the Heart Gala, the Green Heart Gala, yes. and you won the Green Heart Award from Jameson's Army this year. Congratulations! Totally, thank you very much. They totally tricked me and surprised me with the award. I had no idea that that I you know I don't feel worthy of it, but uh, my whole family showed up, and now I kind of realized like it's it was obvious, but my entire family showed up, and I just thought, oh. Finally, my family's starting to support this event that I've been <laughs> yeah. a part of for five years. And here we go. That's nice. But the thing was, is like, I, you know, my my confession is that whenever I'm hosting this event, as you know, Randy and Val, you get, we host things. And when you're hosting, you're kind of half listening 
because you're trying to think about the next the thing next you thing. need to say or yeah. the next person you need to introduce. And so Danielle's up there giving this moving speech, and I'm looking over my notes, and then I hear her say, the the recipient of the Green Heart Award, and he has two daughters, and I look, I, I just start looking up, and I start looking around, and nobody will make eye contact with me. And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on I here. I have two daughters. I have two. Wait, I'm on the radio. <laughs> so my name is Bill too. Yeah, it's quite no, an it's, honor. It's look, I all I do is try to tell people about the great work that they do. Mm-hmm. That's it. They do the best work there, James. I and mean, Zami. it's just incredible. Congrats to them on another successful year. This is this is why I love that event because um, our buddy Huffy shows up, mm-hmm. right? So heart I, transplant recipient from Children's yeah. Hospital. Yeah. He's got a brand spanking new heart. Right. Got it in September. So I invite him to this event thinking, oh, you know, you'll love it. And he he shows up. He gets dropped off. And he's nervous because he's like, I'm not going to know anybody here. Well, he knew everybody. <laughs> all the nurses and all the doctors were all there. Mm-hmm. So he's amongst friends. And that's, that's the kind of support they get from yep. the hospital and that community. So he's it's like you're a lifetime there. member of the family. Right. So he's sitting there, and then I'm getting to introduce the, the children's hospital family to my family, to to uh, the McCain family, you know. And the thing that I love about this charity more than anything, two reasons. One, that. The other, Dr. Matt is up there, the doctor who saved Jameson's life. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's up there and he's giving a speech, and he just mentions casually. That he's from Brookline. Danielle's dad, who's from Arlington, starts booing him. <laughs> he starts booing the doctor that saved his grandson's life because he's from the wrong neighborhood. That's and, so awesome. And that's why I love, you know, they're just like me. It's like all of a sudden, one, on one hand, we're raising awareness for CHD, and on the other hand, Everybody's backing that ass up to juvenile. Yeah, that, I, I like to throw down at the end of that party. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it usually crazy. is pretty insane at that party. So, congrats again to uh, to you, Bill. No, yeah, and I mean, to, look, uh, high praise, Good again, honor well deserved. I I really, you know, I appreciate it. But they're the ones doing the work. You know that her board of directors. You know, you've met them. That that oh, yeah. army of generals and lieutenants yeah. that are in charge of of Jameson's army are, I mean, they are badasses. No doubt about it. No doubt about I it. I joked around with them. I said, once we raise the awareness level to a hundred percent, I think we should put these women in charge of Pendon. <laughs> Start putting those <laughs> cough pillows in the potholes. You know, we'll figure something else out. Well, congrats once again, and congrats to Patrick and uh, Danielle and uh, the great work they do. all the yeah, kids. Yeah, they're the yeah. greatest. All right, Val, what do you got going on? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Oven. It's 53 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Testimony in the sex assault case against Bill Cosby continues today in an eastern Pennsylvania courthouse. Cosby is accused of drugging and assaulting Andrea Constand at his home in 2004. The judge in that case says there are just a few days of testimony left before it goes to the grand jury. Uh, The jury, rather. Prince William and wife Kate, parents of a new baby boy, the Duchess of Cambridge, delivered the 8-pound, 7-ounce prince this morning in London. He joins 4-year-old Prince George and 2-year-old Princess Charlotte. 
Toy maker Hasbro is giving new life to old toys and games. The Rhode Island-based company is testing a new recycling program with TerraCycle. It's a way for parents to donate all old Hasbro toys to be transformed into playgrounds, park benches, flower pots, and more. So far, the program is only being tested into the in the United States, but could be expanded worldwide if it proves to be successful. Visit HasbroToyRecycling.com to sign up for that program and get a free shipping label. A Colorado man might want to think again before taking another walk on the wild side. Outdoor enthusiast Dylan McWilliams now holds the unique distinction of being bitten by three dangerous wild animals in less than four years. He was bitten by a shark in Hawaii last week, so now he's uh, got bear, rattlesnake, and shark on his list. It's kind of like that guy in uh, The Great Outdoors who got struck by lightning 66 times. <laughs> the 20-year-old, 20-year-old, he's, he's only 20. He's hit all this already. He's from Grand Junction, Colorado. He told the Honolulu Star Advertiser he's either really lucky or really unlucky. The shark bite uh, only required seven stitches, fortunately. I can't tell if he's the worst person to invite camping or the best person to invite camping. <laughs> Somebody gets attacked. Right. You know it's going to be Rick. Right. He's like the, he's like the, <laughs> the decoy that you just put out there. A city in China is using an unusual tactic in trying to curb jaywalking. Anybody who gets too close to the road before the walk sign lights up will get hosed with water. Officials say they hope the mini mist cannons will shame jaywalkers into following the law. In case getting soaked doesn't do the trick, there will also be messages played at the same time that says things like, please do not cross the street. Crossing is dangerous. This is kind of like my idea for how to deal with Carson Street at 2 a.m. Turning the hoses on at the end of the street and basically turning the whole street into a slip and slide. Like Bourbon Street. They just get the hoses out. They do that on Bourbon Street and uh, Mardi Gras. It's probably incredibly effective. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't hang out very long when the fire hoses are coming at you, typically. (laughs) A self-portrait of John Lennon depicting himself as Adolf Hitler is sold at auction for $54,000. The sketch was drawn during the time the Beatles legend was attending Liverpool College of Art in the late 50s and is part of a larger sketchbook containing Nazi iconography. The sketch shows Lennon behind a podium with his arm raised in a Nazi salute with words that read, Heil John, Heil John, Heil John, Heil. The original shoes worn by Michael Jackson (laughs) during his first ever moonwalk are set to be sold at auction. It'll take place May 26th in L.A., ahead of what would have been Michael's 60th birthday. The original moonwalk was first seen by the public in 1983 during Jackson's memorable Billie Jean performance at NBC's 25th anniversary of Motown special. What do you think happened to all his stuff? Do you remember the Martin Bashir interview where he's walking around that casino in Vegas and he just starts buying all that opulent, like, crap huge, that you like would a vase that's like 10 million dollars or something a crazy huge gold lion i don't know yeah. did they have to sell any of it when i don't know i mean that would have been the weirdest kicks auction ass. yeah of all time because neverland i mean it doesn't really exist anymore nobody lives in the house right none no. of his family members they didn't make Who that got the fair, maybe it's like, like a Graceland every, type of attraction. I can't remember. They I should. That, for some reason, I think the I thought the county like took it over or something. There was some weird legal. 
I don't know, but imagine I all remember. the weird things you could have bought out of there. You could probably like a gross of surgical masks, mm-hmm. like all kinds of monkey care. Right, equipment. all the bubbles, outfits, right. <laughs> the train. <laughs> bubbles, outfits. You could buy a Ferris wheel. Yeah, I'm surprised I mean, they didn't turn that stuff. into like Grace. I guess all of the uh, potential crimes that have occurred there make it not exactly the most desirable destination. I just remember, do you remember that in that documentary, he had like this crazy treehouse, like it was, it wasn't even a treehouse, it was like that netting that said Idlewild for the jumping jungle, like that you can climb up and it was like, what what is the Swiss Family Robinson, Peter Pan type stuff? Yeah, he liked to climb. By the way- Uh, It was, now this story is from last March, um- the Neverland Ranch going back up for sale after the price was cut by $33 million. Wow. Now it's it was in my or- range. Orig- <laughs> originally listed for $100 million. A default loan on the ranch was sold to Colony Capital, which is headed was headed by Tom Barrick, Donald Trump's fundraiser, uh, prior to his death for around $23 million. That's so a I guess steal for yeah. that property. Uh, who, who'd want it, you know? By the way, speaking of Graceland, did you guys see the Elvis documentary that was on HBO? Yeah, Tremendous. we talked about it last week. Yeah, I'm Tremendous. sorry I wasn't here to talk about it last week. We talked with Billy about mainly just the, the Colonel Tom Parker aspect of it. Right, because he played him in that uh, uh, show on CMT. Yeah. Sun Records. Sun Records. That was it, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that is how Elvis's answer to everything was to do a gospel album. <laughs> like, no matter what he did... It's like Elvis was worried that he wouldn't be relevant when he came out of the army. So he did a gospel album. And then he's like, and then Dylan and all these songwriters came along who were doing their own material. Elvis's answer, he did a gospel album. F those guys. It, I'm doing a gospel album. Just, and then Priscilla would be like, at night, he would just sit there playing gospel all by himself. Like he's the king of rock and roll, but really all he ever wanted to play was gospel. Dude, love gospel. Made him feel he, good. He wanted I guess. to be the king of gospel. It's so weird because that trajectory for Elvis, there was no blueprint for it. So the None. only thing they knew, because there was no rock and roll star before him, the only thing they knew was, well, it's uh, he's Sinatra. We got to get him into movies. Right. And then Colonel Tom's like, well, I'm just going to make as much as I can out of these and just, you know, crap. Keep them under my thumb as long as yeah, possible. And he totally, and then Elvis was like, well, this must be what's best for me because he was just naive. And uh, what a drag that is. We lost out on all those great years. But he never did write his own music. That was the other thing that set him apart. If he was out there, it would have been all using uh, you know, other people's material. Right. So it's not as if you lost Dylan there because he didn't write his own stuff. But as in terms of a performer, you certainly lost a decade, right, of you, yeah. albums. The thing on the, sure. the documentary is you can see when he takes the turn. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh... That's after the pills. Oh, when he takes a turn on the pills, he gets like, in the car get after that one concert, yeah. and he's like, how's the sound in there, fellas? And everyone's like, great, great, great. Yeah. It's so good. And then he's like, his eyes sweating. are crooked, and he's sweating, and he's trying to put on his glasses. He's like, "Yeah, hot August night. And everyone's like, yeah, Elvis, real hot out there. Hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forecast today, partly cloudy near 70 for the high. It's 53 at DVE. I would be an awesome henchman like that. I'd be so good at like just prop. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, boss. You sure. got it. Sure Hell thing. Yeah, King. One thing that I love stylistically about the documentary was, number one, Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen telling the story. Tom Petty was amazingly insightful. But the, the, the choice that the director made not to do any cutaways to talking heads and to keep it yeah. just on... 
uh, footage of of Elvis and that time. I really liked that. Scorsese did did, did the same thing in the uh, Stones documentary too. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Colby Armstrong from Penguins Radio Network, AT and T Sportsnet, joining us right now. Colby, good morning. How are you, Colby? What's yep. going on, dude? What's up, man? How are you, brother? <laughs> What's going on? Good to hear you. I know I haven't talked with you in too long, man. It's been way too long, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. I know. I know. Yeah, we used to get her going a little bit, hey, bud? B- back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, Colby and I'd be oh, known yeah. to run into each other, and then uh, it got real late all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for one, stay till two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Colby... Uh, you got to uh, love the way the Penguins were able to win that game yesterday, given it wasn't their best effort. I mean, the true mark of the champion there. Not playing your best game, still coming out with the W. Yeah, yeah, I was watching that game like, oh, man. Because, well, first of all, I picked, the, obviously, the Penguins to win, but I picked them in six games. So, more importantly, I was right. But <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, yeah, it was just kind of a, it was a strange series, right? Like, I don't know, like... Penguins lose some games at home, which is kind of the home ice advantage for the Penguins, and they've been so good this year. Um, and then, yeah, this team, I guess i got to give Flyers some credit, I guess. they got some young players that really stepped up, and Couturier, obviously we heard about his injury. Um, uh, Provorov was hurt, too, another good young player for them. But the Penguins, man, they got it done. The big boy, they got down a goal, couple goals early, and Sidney Crosby answered. Uh, right away, Hagelin answered. Like the guy stepped up, and then let's. And then Gensel was out of his mind. So Murray wasn't his best. The team wasn't their best, but they had guys that were just went crazy. Uh, helped them get the win. I mean, does that all boil down to just poise for these guys? The experience of having been in the postseason so often. I would say so. Like I, I, I talked to some of the some of the guys on the team and stuff, and. You know, I think they understand the way it's supposed to go when you go back into Philly, obviously, and, and just in hockey. Like, I think a hockey guy would know, hey, listen, they're going to come hard the first 10 minutes. If we give up a goal or or they do score a couple, we have to weather the storm and find a way to take the game back over and get back in the game. And um, I think I, I give the Penguins a lot of credit. They, like, the last few years and, and even this year in a season that was kind of up and down, they've always found a way to get – you know exactly what they needed to get the job done, and and they understand kind of when's the time to, to turn it up and how to keep games close, how to give themselves a chance to win. So yeah, I think it is poise. I think it is leadership. I think it's been there, done that, and understanding kind of the ups and downs of of the game. And and I don't know. I think you can only learn that by going through it. So those guys, you know, the team did a good job. Colby, uh, Mike Sullivan was pushing buttons again yesterday, what he did with Riley Shane, what he didn't do uh, with Matt Murray leaving him in when he thought about taking him out. What <laughs> yeah. is it about Sullivan, do you think, that makes him so effective, that, that allows him to get to these players, to reach them and, and get what he needs from them at the critical times? Well, for, I think he's lucky, first of all, to have the players that he has. Like, Not a lot of teams have, you know, quality of of a Matt Murray or of a Malkin, a Crosby, um, you know, and then those guys that come up too and, and can jump in and play. So the Pens have a good team, but I've always said all along just since I've been back in Pittsburgh, like Sullivan just seems like a coach that me personally, I would like to play for. Like he's, he's the, 
you know, he's the, he's the captain of the ship, really, and, and I think he's probably doesn't mix words in that locker room when he needs stuff done or needs guys to play better. And um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure if what he says all the time in front of the media sometimes is probably what he feels. I probably think that he's he can be hard on them at times, and I think that you know he he knows which buttons to push to get the most out of his guys and. Um, he's got some pretty good guys to push some buttons with too. <laughs> so that always, that always really helps. That always really helps your coach when you have a, a good goalie, let's say, or, you know, a two headed monster in Crosby and Malkin. And, you know, you can get to either one of them or have a Phil Kessel there on the side or a Gensel or a Hornquist that you, you know, you can fire up. So he's in a, he's in a good position, but he handles them the right way. So you think some of Scotty Bowman's genius in retrospect might have always been coaching the best team? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Red Wings, Canadians, Penguins. Yeah. He, he didn't win any cups in Buffalo, as far as I can recall. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. <laughs> oh man. Army, That's you played in point. you played enough in Philly. Did they ever uh, throw any beer cans on the ice at you? No, but I um, we played them a lot too when we were in the minors. And like, trust me, we had some run-ins with them. Uh, I think our booster club in Wilkes-Barre had some run-ins with some of their fans <laughs> at away games. Like it was, it was, it's always insane going into Philly. Um, yeah, the beer can. So that was that was a little bit, a little bit much. I think uh, any smart fan base knows that that's wrong to do but i don't know it was a it was a a place where they're getting spanked by their you know their rival team and they weren't happy and i guess do we expect anything else out of philly not really but <laughs> no. you know what man like uh jay caulfield was on earlier and he and pursuit have both said that you know it's likely those guys were peeing in the beer cans and then throwing them on the ice <laughs> oh my <laughs> some trucker oh my hand grenades God. Oh yeah, pee bombs. <laughs> I, I mean, Unreal. yeah, I can't, I can't believe anybody would, would take out their, you know, and, and pee right in their with, in their seat. They? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, that could never happen no in way. Philly. Yeah, Maybe I mean. not in the regular season, but it's the it's the playoffs now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go I back to the minor league thing. Out. What's what's a minor league crowd like in Philly? Well, we played at their old rink, the Spectrum, yeah. and it's much the same. It's 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 just as hostile. And um, <laughs> did your booster cubs was... spend their own dough <laughs> to see you guys oh, play? <laughs> oh yeah, they would drive down and watch us play. We were in the playoffs there a few years. I think uh, my well, my wife's from Wilkes-Barre, and her grandparents and family came to a game one time, and like her grandfather was getting threatened to fight like a 25-year-old oh or something. Yeah, like it was just crazy, just kids being crazy. But if you don't wear their, their colors, they, they don't like you that much. My God. Yeah, yeah. they got to lighten up a little bit. Animals. I know, seriously. I'm crying out loud. Oh, well, well, they got plenty of time to think about it over the summer. Uh, Giroux, <laughs> Giroux, minus 10 on the yeah. series. Yeah, and he had a good year too. He was he was a he was a guy that I thought was on the tips of some tongues for some heart talk this year. The way he played for their team, but yeah, he didn't have a, he didn't have the series he wanted, and obviously they has all summer to think about it. That's a tough one because he had a pretty darn good year for them. Yeah, eighty seven. Uh, conversely, great series uh, once again. Just a flyer killer. The more that they try to get on his nerves. 
the more he comes back at them. I mean, you'd think they'd learn by this point. You know Sid well enough. That kind of stuff, I mean, it's, uh, you know, water off a, a duck's back, is it not? He doesn't even retain any of that stuff. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And, and you know what? Like, a crazy story, too, back to the minor days. Sid's first year. Remember the goal he scored with, like, Malone hit him on a breakaway in overtime, and he scored to win it, and his teeth were bleeding and chipped out? Yeah. yeah. That was his first game, remember? right? First game yeah, there. Me- you remember that? So, anyways, I was playing in the minors. We weren't playing. I drove up to Philly with one of our trainers on our team to go watch the game. I was I was drinking beers in Philly at the game watching that. I watched it in the stands. <laughs> and I just remember, like, the fans. I was, like, in the stands. The fans were like, oh, we are we going to have to get used to this every time we play the Penguins now with this kid, I guess? I heard all of them <laughs> saying that. And I'm like, oh, how many years later is it now? And he's still doing it. It's yeah. just like insane that I was there at that moment, which was one of his, I think, one of his cooler like, like moments in the league, battling against the big bad flyers and yeah. Hatcher rip, knocking out his teeth and bleeding and him get, dancing up and getting the OT winner later in the game. It was just like, <laughs> Amazing, and ever since then, he's just been crushing Philly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Colby, what's, what's getting your attention uh, around the league? What, uh, right now? What's your impression of the first round? Anything jump out at you? Well, I think it's been kind of weird. I think I think the impression I've kind of gotten just looking at it is backup goaltenders. I mean, I think you look around at all the series and how many – other teams have had to go deep, like in Colorado last night lost out, but they had the third-string goalie in at the time. And it didn't start out that way, but it ended that way. And, and also what's catching my eye is what's going to happen tonight with the Capitals and Blue Jackets. That's who the Penguins will be playing next, one of those one of those two teams. So, Do you uh, see Capitals a better matchup one way or the other for Pittsburgh? Um, I don't think so. I think, I think one team's top six forwards are a lot better with Washington, and they still have some question marks with Holpe or Grubauer in net, too. But I think either way, they're both fairly good teams that had good seasons, and I think the Capitals can be a little bit more dangerous in production-wise, but uh, the Blue Jackets a bigger, more physical team uh, with good defense and, and a pretty good goalie in Brovovsky. It's interesting to see what happens tonight. I wonder if Columbus can push it to seven. I think probably Pen- Penguins fans and the Penguins are hoping they play as long as they can. <laughs> Colby Armstrong, Penguins Radio Network, AT&T Sports Network. Colby, don't be a stranger. I know, hey? I know. Seriously, I got four kids, though, bud. I know. I only got I got four kids, and I got, and I, now I'm working. So it's it's insane. I'm up in Canada working the playoffs. So All right. thanks well, for having me well, on. I was wondering on why it. it sounds so quiet. <laughs> yeah. I'm sleeping in right now. Yeah, great. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Thanks, we'll guys. see you. Colby Armstrong, the one and only. It's great oh, to have him great. back in the Berg doing this stuff too. He's so he adds so much to those uh, to those games. Oh, it's guy not just oozed personality from day one. Oh, he's the best. It's yeah. not just the accent. He sounds so much like Harlan Williams. He does. He's got that Tom Green Harlan. I'm Williams. stealing yeah. the go for one, stay till two. Oh yeah. That's a yeah. That's pretty good. Well, line. We I like do that. that a lot. Um, <laughs> now he grew up, and I keep doing it. Yeah. Damn it! The other guy <laughs> would be involved in that too, right? Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, all right. When we come back, Mike pursued a more on yesterday's huge win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You put the Flyers to rest. See ya. Go have a good summer. Bye bye. Now, eye on the prize.
12 more wins. Just the, Lord Stanley. I wish the Pirates would have won at least one yesterday just to give them a little one more. But Are they uh, kind of – they uh, they fly a little too close to the sun there, Mikey? They might have. Yeah. They might have. Coming back down a little? Ran into some good pitching and they hit nothing. Well, what are you going to do? All right. Other than that, though. Mike, proceed with the full report when we come back. Don't forget, we announced that earlier this morning, the DVE Halloween party this year, Friday, October 26th. Stage AE, Alice Cooper. Boom. Tickets are 45 bucks. They go on sale this Friday, April 27th at 10 a.m. via Ticketmaster and the Stage AE box office. Presale is Thursday, the 26th, through Ticketmaster as well. And the password is NORTH. DVE. Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Great to talk with Colby Armstrong. Always is. Yeah, oh, he's awesome. Always is. <laughs> and just laughing his way through. Uh, yep, we beat the Flyers. So now it's on to either the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Washington Capitals. Mike? I suspect it's going to be the Caps, but I suspect that uh, Torts got it right when he said see you for Game 7. I hope so. I hope that happens. I hope so. And I hope it's like a quadruple overtime tonight. Well, four of the five so far have uh, gone into overtime, and one of them went into double OT. So uh, that is a, a competitive series. Sports this hour brought to you by Caseta by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. Jake Gensel, the star of the show, and uh, Riley Sheehan, the uh, unsung hero, if you will, in the Penguins' 8-5 to game six victory over the Philadelphia Flyers yesterday afternoon. Gensel with four goals and an assist in uh, helping the Penguins uh, get off the deck a couple of times. They were down one nothing early, battled back to lead 2-1. to one. All of a sudden, midway in the second, it was a 4-2 deficit, and then uh, the Pens uh, in general and Gensel in particular went to work. He scored uh, an NHL leading 13 playoff goals. Last year, he's got six of them already. This year, tied with Sidney Crosby for the league lead. Uh, Jake Gensel just... Doing what he thinks he ought to do at playoff time, not necessarily trying to rise to the occasion, but just play a playoff-style game. I don't know. I mean, you just get the excitement, all the nerves in you, and um, this is what you want to play in. So um, you just you grow up dreaming about this, and it's definitely fun. You're just trying to do whatever you can to help the team win now, and um, when the bounces are going your way, he's trying to run with it. Yeah, he, he runs with it, but I, I, I think his day yesterday was more a result of being in the right place at the right time. And, and playing a sound game, it was much more that than dangling through three guys or banking one in off the goalie from behind the net or doing something spectacular. He just crashing the net. Played a solid game. He went to the dirty areas. He kept his nose over the puck. And there you go. And uh, he can certainly finish. He was a finisher in college. He's been a finisher here. But another postseason player, Mike. Guy's a good player. Guy turns it on yeah. when it counts. He yeah. amazes me what he can do in the postseason. It's it's just it's fun to watch. And uh, Shane was the guy who uh, got the assignment of centering the second line in Evgeny Malkin's absence. Uh, he did uh, his usual uh, solid two-way, uh, efficient, energetic game. He played his usual game, and uh, the Penguins benefited from that. But uh, as a matter of fact, as Jake Gensel was about his four goals, uh, Riley Sheehan was impressed. That was amazing. I mean, I think uh, throughout his time in Pittsburgh, he's always performed uh, really well in the playoffs. So um, it's not a surprise, but four goals is amazing, whether playoff game, regular season game, or preseason game. So um, it was pretty cool, and uh, he's a big part of the team. Is it Sheehan or Sheehan? 
I can't say this guy's name because I don't know how to. I don't Shane. Know how, yeah, Shane? I think it is Shane. They I call was, him I was Shays. Thought it was Sheen. Him and Chaser. Him and Sherry. That's where you hear me slowing down. I'm trying yeah. to <laughs> work it out in my head. It's not working too well. Uh, no, it's it's Coots. It's Coots. Yeah. That's what they call. Yeah, Coots. Gotta change that nickname. Uh, <laughs> hey, Coots. Point I want to make about uh, Gensel. You heard? Well, they went with Cootie first, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> Cooter." No. Yeah. Uh, Jason Mackey said he thought the turning point was the start of the third period. And I would agree with him when it's four four and it's. I thought it was the Hornquist game. goal. But the way that period started, it, it was with a Gensel goal at thirty seconds. But before that, right off the drop of the puck. Jacob Voracek hits Gensel in the face oh, with yeah. a left. Oh, yeah. Punched him right in the mouth. Gensel did not jump up and go try to kill him right away and retaliate. He just got up and kept playing. And lo and behold, not long thereafter, the puck was in the net. That is just how play. you have to respond to this stuff. Just pl- Thank you, Val. Say that one more time. Just play. And, and we saw that from a couple of guys in this series. I don't know if you guys remember the start of game four. There was a delayed penalty on the Flyers. And McDonald, the defenseman, when the whistle blew, he went and mugged Dominic Simone and had him in a headlock. Behind the net. And was trying to get him to retaliate to eliminate the penalty. And Simone wouldn't have any of it. He just skated away. You saw uh, Connor Sherry yesterday. He got mugged by Konechny. And Sherry ended up up being coincidental minor. Sherry didn't do anything. He could have got got penalized before that, but then... It didn't call anything, so then you're even. And then, you know, the cross-check. The that, late cross-check. Now, yeah, all of a sudden now it's, it's a retroactive, yeah. I'm going to send them both. And it's like, no, you already made up your mind that you weren't going to do it. That should have been one guy going. But I think you could read his lips. He's saying, what, for what? For what, what? What am I penalized for? He was trying to do the right thing. That's the way you got to play postseason hockey. And the way Crystal Tang did it yesterday is not the way the Penguins need him to do it. Uh, the way Malkin has done it at times in this series is not the way they need him to do it when he comes back. you got to be poised and persistent. You can't lose it. That's what Philadelphia was trying to drag the Penguins into. Because they're not good enough to beat them otherwise. There you go. Fortunately for the Penguins, they were uh, much smarter this time than they were six years ago. And uh, they were they were responding the right way more often than not. And uh, now it's on to the second round. By the way, more, more props to Pierre. for He was talking about that Gensel Voracek incident. And he said, it's Hudson Bay rules out there, which I think is an old Canadian expression. I actually had to Google it. it <laughs> what is it, mean? Ontario it League? It, it means when the referees are just not going to call any more penalties. So there are no rules. And apparently Hudson Bay is a tough, uh, tough town. San Quentin rules. <laughs> Rikers <laughs> Island rules out you know, there. Gensel could have got up and lost his mind after that. And it's probably difficult to get punched in the mouth and not get up. And lose your mind. But Especially because a guy of that size, there's probably an impulse that you want to prove that you're tough enough and you yeah. don't want to just let them like roll over you. But if you can keep if you can keep your head while others around you are losing theirs, then they're gonna be the ones without a head. How about the apple by Gensel last night? Through the legs. Beautiful play. I mean Kid had a magical game. They're going to the net. They're driving and uh that uh that was some good stuff. Pens win. Oh, you know what? Before Nine get, straight series. Before we get out of here, just give you a little reaction from the Flyers. Uh, Wayne Simmons, who, hey, welcome to the series. He finally showed up. I know, right? I, I think he's hurt, too. 
But you were asking about defending the net earlier. I thought Simmons was crashing the cage. Yeah. He, he looked like Wayne Simmons yesterday for whatever Four reason. Four-checking. I mean, he was he was He provided really the physical. screen on that one goal. Yeah, on the McDonald goal yeah. from the point. Uh, he said of the Penguins, quote, they just keep coming at you. Got to give them credit. They're a good team. And uh, Dave Haxtall, the head coach of the Flyers, said, quote, if you make mistakes, if you give them the puck back too easily, they can make you pay quickly, and they did that. And that was real. Philadelphia just hemorrhaged turnovers yesterday. Hemorrhage turnovers. Some of their best players, too. Provorov. Coughed the biscuit up Giroux in his own it. end. Provorov did it. Some of their worst players. Provorov Gudis. was hurt there. That third Gudis period did it. didn't yeah. look like he could skate. Oh, yeah, I think Simmons is hurt, too. I mean, we they, they said Provorov's got a shoulder and uh, Giroux, or not Giroux, Couturier had the MCL. I think Simmons has an injury, too, that hasn't come out yet. But How the hell can you skate on an MCL tear? Yeah, I thought, I thought you couldn't even walk. Put up a hat trick. Wrap it up, shoot it up, and have at it, I guess. Too much, man. Too much. All right, quick break. We'll be right back here on DVD. It's the DVE Morning Show. The Penguins scored more playoff goals in the Wells Fargo Center in the past three games than the Flyers scored in the past six years. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they didn't score any last year, right? Right. That's the point. Yeah. So, offensively. How about this? 13 goals yesterday? More goals in that game combined than in the entire Vegas Kings series. How about Wow. Thir- Whoa. 13 to 10. Come on. Ooh, what were shots on goal yesterday? Because they did the question before the game. Had to be under 30. 28-26 Pittsburgh. Yeah. Held them to under 30 shots every game in the series. It was so great. We gave up that goal. It looked sloppy. It looked like, oh, good. Here we go. Slappy Penguins in Game Six, and then we're gonna have to come back here. You know, I immediately went to the. Oh, this game's over. Oh, you had to go to the dark place because right before that, you heard Malkin wasn't out there for the practice or for you know for the warm up. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh God, Gino's out. They score early. This is gonna get out of hand, isn't it? This is how quickly that feeling went away. Sidney Crosby awaits the drop of the puck here from the linesman. Pull up. Called the duty to go up against Sid uh, last game, and here's Latang after the shot, rebound, score! Crosby puts it in, the pins have tied it. Latang oh. got the shot away off the pad of Neubert, and Sidney Crosby has scored again. For the Penguins, the league leading goal scorer, it is 1-1. And that was a good play by Latang. You hear Sullivan talk about that all the time. Get the puck on the net. The yep. defense breaks down. Often the second opportunity comes after a play like that as opposed to passing it around the perimeter or trying to make the perfect pass or the extra pass. Just get it to the net, and invariably you get it in. It just seemed like at that point, like, I don't know what I'm worried about. These guys are going to figure out how to stay in the game. Then they go down by two. I'm thinking, all right. If they can cut it to one here before the end of the second period. But no. I didn't have a good feeling after the Lawton goal because I thought if Murray's going to check out, then that's going to be It was a bad goal to overcome, yeah. Bad goal. And not that I'm down on him, but it was a terrible goal. No, but and Casey it, Smith the, is not going to uh, instill any sort of you wouldn't think. confidence in you as a yeah. fan. Like, oh, well, now we're going to be fine. Uh, Hornquist overcomes the the turnover and uh, gets, the, uh, gets the big goal. Gensel then goes on to score four in a row. <laughs> A natural four trick. I think he just. Uh, I think he just scored again. And uh, then Rusty gets the uh, the empty netter. There's the beer cans full of urine come raining down. <laughs> Golden showers in Philadelphia. 
on the Wells Fargo Center ice as the Penguins knock the Flyers all the way to the golf course. Yes, beautiful. That's right. Oh, they should have let the fans come down and pee the ice away. <laughs> just clear it away. Go ahead. You won't need this again. Oh uh, yeah, just not till September. Go right ahead. Have a nice summer, boys. Don't worry about it. The uh, Jags. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hate I love the Jabru. At one point, oh, they had God. the. Uh, is it is it a law that you have to have a shot of the Rocky statue if there's a vet in Philadelphia? You have to. To show those steps. And uh, all season long, uh, is it David Bastel? Is that how you say his name? He's been keeping track of the leaderboard on the Greater Pennsylvania Open. Right at the top of the leaderboard, at minus 10, team captain, Fraud Giroux. Gostas Bear, minus 8. Provorov, injured shoulder and all, still managing to put up the minus six. I thought Latang was going to take a run with his <laughs> minus three in game five. <laughs> he seemed like he was feeling it at that point. Patrick with a minus five. Manning, minus four. Philpola, minus three. Yes. Manning was invisible. The Greater Pennsylvania Open ends with Fraud Giroux atop the leaderboard. At minus 10. A tradition unlike any other. <laughs> Hit the golf course, fraud! You human cheese curl. Ah, oh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What, oh, it was Gudis on the leaderboard? Uh, how could he not have been? I don't know how he wasn't. They he said he wouldn't talk to the media yesterday. He's number one on the leaderboard in my heart. Thank you, buddy. Oh, boy. All right, and now it's on to the winner of the Blue Jackets and the Capitals series. Game six in that matchup tonight. So hopefully they just beat each other to a bloody pulp. Well, that would be a fun game to go to tonight. Crosby, Hagelin, Hornquist, Gensel, 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 Rust. No Gino. They still put up eight. They're going to need Gino going forward. All right. Yesterday was the first time where I felt like, oh, yeah. This is what it really feels like. Because, you know, early in the series, you're like, yeah, we'll get one back next game. You know, you're a little bit invested. Yesterday, I really started Ooh. feeling it. Yesterday, yeah, I was really like, oh, if we the, lose. You don't want game seven. No, we lose this. No, no, go no, to game no, no, seven. No, no, no. Oh, that's, that's pressure. Thanks very much to Jay Caulfield from AT&T Sportsnet and 11 on the Ice, Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette, and the one and only Colby Armstrong. It was so great to talk to my old friend Colby. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to, to get them on a little more often here as the Pens continue their quest to keep Lord Stanley here in Pittsburgh for the third straight season. Three leave. Is that how we're saying that? I think yes. so. All right. I didn't want to embrace it yet, but now I figure, oh, well, we're going to have to. It looks better in print than it is to say it. <laughs> you yeah. got a three leave. That sounds like what the Flyers fans were doing into their beer can yesterday. <laughs> they were three leaving themselves. <laughs> Oh, no, they did a number three in there? Ah, uh, Mikey Oof, yeah. Lang. As Konechny takes that puck, eight seconds to go, just deals it to the corner, and the Flyers will roll in behind their own net. Their season comes to a complete completion here. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they have won this series as time ticks off by defeating the Philadelphia Flyers by the score of 8-5. to five. 
I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.